You are listening to the Lucha Central Podcast Network. And now, Lucha Central Weekly. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast. This is the podcast that lets you know all of the latest happening in the world of Lucha Libre. And we've made it to the end of another year, the end of 2021. And this is our end of year awards episode. Woo! Yeah! Hotcha! Yes! Uh, this is Miranda Morales being joined by, well, of course, the rest of the trio introducing first. He is the dashing one, Mr. Dusty Murphy. Hey, hey, hey. How's it going, Miranda? I am doing well. And, of course, we cannot do this show without who? 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 It's the one and only Brendan Barr. That's hey. hey, it's so cold. <laughs> <laughs> It's that holiday spirit. <laughs> yes, holiday spirit coming yeah. over you, freezing your body. Making me have to drink hot cocoa. Yes. <laughs> I have my cup of coffee. I'm not going to lie. I have it in my Balor cup uh, mug because uh, I am a mark, but whatever. Uh, I yeah. own it, uh, and uh, we should all, too. But we are excited to do our second annual end-of-year awards episode for the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast, myself, Dusty, and Brendan have compiled a list of nominees and categories that we have thought is the best of this year. This is actually going to be a two-part two episode where in this episode we provide you with all of the categories and nominees. And in the next episode is where we share all of our winners. So, if you want to know who wins, you're going to have to tune in for next week. But this week, we're going to let you know our categories and the individuals, individuals and teams, matches. Well, I'm not going to reveal too much right now, but you'll you'll see in a few. You have uh, a pretty every, good idea. Yes. <laughs> if you imagine what it, what you're imagining is probably right. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Before we get started, don't forget that the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast is part of the Lucha Central Podcast Network on LuchaCentral.com. This podcast and others from the network are also available on all major podcast streaming platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, PodBay, Speaker, and more. And of course, the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast is also distributed through our partners at TheChairShot.com. So, 2021, we did it. A year that, man, I think we were all looking forward to after 2020. Am I right? Yes. Nobody was like in 2020. Like, that was just the year everybody wanted to forget. 
Yes. Uh, and, you know, it was the year of our conception as a podcast, so we will always be grateful for 2020. But yeah. we could not be more excited for 2021 <laughs> as we saw uh, shows truly come back into form. Audiences come back. Uh, companies grow. Uh, possibly some companies fold. And really, you know, a, a resurgence of wrestling into the mainstream. Before we really get into uh, our nominees, I just want to get kind of your guys' brief thoughts on 2021. So, Dusty, I'll, I'll start with you first. What were your thoughts on, you know, the year that was in wrestling in 2021? Um, I was kind of baffled, I guess, in a way that 2021 was the year when literally everybody else shined and WWE just miserably failed. They had so many pieces of the puzzle, so many cards and parts in motion that they could have really done great. You know, everybody said, you know, WWE's got their back to the wall. That's when they do their best product. But that's not the case this year. I mean, they put out some really terrible stuff. And, uh, I mean, just not fun, not entertaining, didn't serve to get anybody over. Just bad year for the de- de- fans, at least, of WWE. And that was very surprising to me, given the kind of expectations everybody had after 2020 for them. Brendan, what were your thoughts of this year? Well, I'm in a similar vein with Dusty. Um, I... When I when I was looking at at stuff we were doing, when I was looking at my notes for shows over the year, I mean, I know that that I'm the indie roundup guy because I like indie stuff. But it was the surprise. It, the story of the year seems to be the surprising promotions stepping up. Your your ROHs, your MLWs, like they came in with bigger, better content than the big two. And I'm I'm sorry to AEW to include you in that because you're still miles ahead of what. WWE gave us, but, uh, you know, we had a, we had a, a huge step up from co- promotions like that. And I'm, I'm going to leave somebody, I'm positive I left somebody off of the list, uh, uh, for that, that on the minor leagues that stepped up. I'm not even minor leagues, the, the lower promotions that stepped up, but I thought just, it's interesting. And our, our, uh, awards are kind of going to reflect a lot of that. Yeah, I have to agree. I think there was definitely some moments that felt very baffling um, and a big change in the world of pro wrestling, really, with a lot of what happened with WWE. Um, but also, I felt like there was companies that really stepped up to the plate. Um, I would have to say like an MLW. I think that they really were able to take advantage of the landscape changing, uh, of being able to provide niche programming. I feel like some pro or some companies, too, are still figuring it out uh and and are going in new directions and still are kind of we're still in maybe in in some planning modes ones that have kind of come to mind is the nwa um yep. i would admit that they do have more of a lucha presence now i mean right they're 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 tag team champions are, are luchadors you know um and they've had more of a, a lucha presence as of, of late um but still i think you could tell with the difference and change that they've had with production and format that I don't think it has kind of the same fire that it had. Uh, but also, you know, with the all woman show that they had, uh, I feel like still being very progressive and, and finding their footing. Um, mm-hmm. One thing that too, like an impact who had a lot of high hopes coming into 2021 with that partnership with AEW 
that fell completely a hundred percent flat on the face. Oh no, this we're, so, we're gonna stay positive. I'm not gonna yes, talk yeah, about that. Yeah, yeah, we're not gonna <laughs> jump into that. Uh, that's partly the first and last. So I think that there was some things, and these are just my you know changes in NXT. You know, um, even now as we head into yeah. the the end of year with kind of a big question mark looming over Ring of Honor. Um, you know, I think that that ends up impacting how you know wrestlers are able to find opportunities and matches uh but also the independent scene still being thriving you know yeah and, no, and being in a yeah. bigger and better yeah. way than before exactly. they, they really know? stepped up yeah uh yeah. I, I i'm gonna just go ahead and make a prediction since you've made a couple you've you've dropped a couple hints on that i think next year we're gonna see almost no nxt will be interesting to see if we see roh or not that is really up in the air NXT, based on their direction, will probably our show is probably not going to talk about them much less. So uh, yeah. uh, it'll be interesting to see where where that uh, that void gets filled in too, because they were a big part of our 2020 and our 2021. Yeah, very true. And I'm sure we'll know as we go through these categories, um, some people who maybe we talked about a lot last year that we have it, maybe some surprises as to why they're not on there. We'll see where the conversation takes us. But I know you guys are ready. So let's roll with this year's end of year awards. Our first category is one that is near and dear to our hearts, and that is Rising Star of the Year. This is a category that we specifically created last year to recognize those um, in the independent scene that are getting uh, the opportunities, the recognition, the matches that have really stood out this year. So we have five nominees in this category some of these names well it will make sense to you some of these maybe not but we'll go through them and then discuss uh you know why we chose these names uh first nominee for rising star of the year is danny limelight or rivera if you know him from mlw We have also two other names that may be familiar in mlw uh, but also in the world of independent lucha libre and that's adamis and Aries, uh, Aramis and Aries as well. Uh, and again, it seems like you can't have one without the other. So that's why I, we had to list them <laughs> they both. They both got nominated, yeah. <laughs> uh, we have, of course, a friend of the show, mainly Dusty's, but someone that we <laughs> talked about frequently and has been making a bigger splash around the U.S., uh, but of course, as well as being a, a regular on AAA television, Mr. Iguana. And of course, well, she's the prodigy herself, the reigning Ring of Honor Women's Champion, Rock C. So, gentlemen, let's discuss this category. Some pretty notable names, people who we have, uh, you know, seen very consistently, um, out in the, in the world, um, uh, but names that really have all made their mark in one way or another in 2021. So, I, I mean, I'm going to lump three of them together as to why I think they were on this list, uh, for, as in for me. Aries, Aramis, and Mr. Iguana are all huge stars in Mexico that whose star has been – Mr. Iguana has been climbing up the ranking in AAA. He's a guaranteed draw at any indie show he goes to. Aries and Aramis have been uh, have been talked about in the, and sh- – and 
brought up on, in conversations about who's going to be a sleeper or hit, hit and star. And all of them have started to make a big impact in, in the, in America and mostly the indie Absolutely. scene. Uh, you know, all of them have done, done shows in Chicago and Dallas and California. So they're, um, they're all in, in a similar category where they're a big name to, to the niche fans of Mex- Mexico in America. And now they're gonna, they're, uh, I don't want to go as far as saying household names, but to American wrestling fans, they're becoming quite notable. That's. Yeah, that, that's absolutely yeah. true. <laughs> yeah. And, no. I mean, this was the year that all of them, and like you say, name recognition is huge. And I mean, Mr. Iguana, Ari's, uh, I think Mr. Iguana more, was more recognizable last year maybe than Ari's and Aramis, Aramis, but. This year, I, I think they're all equally recognizable. They've got presence in MLW. They've got presence – uh, not Mr. Iguana, but um, Ari Saramis. <laughs> and they've got presence on the indies. Uh, that's really helped them catch up, and it's – if you're an indie yeah. fan, wrestling fan, you know those names. Even if you don't know them, even if you can't recall where you've seen them, you know the names now because they're mm-hmm. they're becoming very common. And that's exciting. Uh, but somebody else's – name very common this year danny limelight he was in aw he was in mlw he's been in the indies everywhere he's in the new uh lax i mean he working with conan i mean things are you talk about a big year i mean i don't want to discount mr iguana but danny limelight had an insane year this year Mm -hmm. huge year uh I, the other thing that you didn't mention, he's also in the entertainment industry. So he's a, yeah, he is made a movie. Yeah. Even more in, in everybody's faces than anybody else on this list. Like if you, you want to talk about building your brand, Danny Limelight had the best year. And does that yeah. make him the rising star? Yeah. I don't know. Miranda, yeah. I, I know so. you've got a lot of opinions yeah. on Danny because. Well, no, oh. I, I, what I want to <laughs> say is very unique about Danny is that he was one of the first people that we, I think collectively as a fan base thought AEW was going to focus attention on. Um, and then when that, you know, he, he continued to not to work with them and shifted focus in MLW. I think there was a lot of people who thought that was good. That was a risk, uh, because AEW yeah. had the resources and the television to, uh, you know, to create stars, which we've seen. But what we also started to see is that people got lost in the shuffle. People mm-hmm. got lost in the mix. And, uh, maybe it was more of a blessing in disguise that they decided, you know, to, to part ways or just that, you know, Danny went in a different direction with MLW because now I think you get to see a side of him and he really is, you know, one of those top stories in MLW. I mean, now he's, you know, one half of the MLW world tag team champions. Um, and they're, you know, beating one of the longest reigning tag champions in Los Parks. So it seems like MLW, um, is putting that focus on Danny and 5150 that maybe he wasn't going to be able to get an AEW. And did, it, yeah. it, was, it was a risk, but it was one that w- is seeming to pay off. I definitely think that he invested, he gambled on himself, and I think he's yeah. probably winning. Like, you know, yes, some fans absolutely. are going to mention that AEW has more, more eyes, you know, television and more, way more cities, but, uh, the, the fact is that he's in a high he's in high profile profile matches in a wrestling Absolutely. fans mm-hmm. wrestling company. Yeah, so and the uh, oppor- yeah the opportunities yeah. allowed him to go yeah. to, to Mexico where you know yeah. he was sliced defended. 
the belt. I think that it still affords him more international opportunities than what we would, you know, see with other companies. He's still very active on the independent scene as well. And, you know, again, actively pursuing, you know, a career in Hollywood. So I think that being able to find all of those elements are coming together in the right way. I think that is the main if I were to speculate that would be the main reason uh of this choice is that yeah. with with being an indie star that happens to work at MLW sometimes he's free to also pursue his entertainment stuff mm-hmm. whereas uh I can tell you from experience if you're with AEW you don't have a life mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. you are you are doing so much stuff with AEW yeah uh, well- I was going to say, I, I do want to jump to Roxy because yep, she is yep. one. I mean, talk about <laughs> strapping a rocket to someone. Uh-huh. She's Gosh, really yeah. gone to the moon and beyond. I mean, this was all starting in what April of this year um, when she made her debut in Ring of Honor and became part of the Women's World Championship Tournament. Very much an underdog going into this. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I mean, gosh, she's what? 20 years old. She's 20. She's not even old enough to drink in most states. And and she is a world champion. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. So, uh, she's the definition of the rising star. Like you, you just, like you said, she went, she came up, she was the rookie and then she just shot up. There's a, I mean, we had to put her on this list. Mm -hmm. Uh, just absolutely. Uh, I do want to, to, because when we talk about Roxy, we also talk a lot about Miranda Alize, who did not make it on this list. And I want to talk a little bit about why I didn't personally nominate her. I don't know what, what your guys is. The two of them wound up in the finals uh, for ROH's Women's Championship. And Roxy got the rocket strapped to her. She got the belt put on her. And we were going to have a feud, which I think would have catapulted them both into uh, wrestling history. We would have been talking about them for years to come. But because of what happened with ROH, I don't even know if we're going to see a rematch of that like I, 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 on, uh, in an ROH ring yeah. for the ROH yeah. women's title. And, and um, I think, yeah, too, it's just for the time span and yeah. really the growth that we've seen between the two, uh, mm-hmm. between, you know, uh, this, this time span, I think it's, it's safer to say that, um, and not necessarily growth as a wrestler, but just more of, you know, the, the placement. Yeah. Um, they've, you know, Roxy has really jumped leaps and bounds. Well, and that's, yeah, exactly. She, she's, I feel like she had a bigger jump. Uh, she's also going to be in, in history as the, that women's champion when R, on ROH's final battle. So, like, she always will have that recognition as being that person, even if she turns into a, a 50 year old that's appearing in WWE product having, giving birth to children from mannequins. Like, you know, just Google it, kids. Uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah, that's, uh, that that was my I, I I there's a lot we can say I just don't want to be the only one that's saying it. So. Yeah, yeah, no, and and I think too with the teasing of a champ, you know, t- a title or champion takes all match or winner takes all match between her and AAA Reina De Reina's champion Diana Pratt. So again, even though that has not happened, just the teasing of that puts her in, you know, just a, a different echelon, a different level. Um, and, and, and again, it's very comparable. Both had a very similar parallel journeys, but I think with 
having Roxy as champion um, mm-hmm. just puts yes. her just a, a little bit of above um, Miranda Alizé in this category. But she also had a phenomenal year. Yeah. Um, I really think that Miranda has come. She's been in her own, but I think as a yeah. character, as that hybrid of mm-hmm. Lucha Libre and American style, I would say that Miranda Alizé has that way better than almost anyone out in professional mm. wrestling period. Absolutely. Um, so I feel like that in alignment with our show, you know, puts her on that, that edge. But I think as, as you mentioned, Brendan, as far as a rising star and someone who epitomizes, um, you know, someone who's getting that rocket strapped to their back to the moon and beyond, it is absolutely Roxy. Yeah, I, I agree. The championship just gives her the edge. Yes. Yes. And she is. She won that title at 19. So yeah. she well, is actually. Well, that's it. Her youth, too. I mean, yeah. uh, Miranda Alizé is like 27. Not to knock her age by any means, but she's had eight more years of experience. And so for Roxy to be able to do that that soon at that age, like we talked about this a lot in AEW. We're seeing the next generation of main event talent right in front of our eyes. And it's incredible to be able to invest in that as a fan. So I do want to talk about you. You mentioned the, the, so the difference in age is, is one thing, but you can, uh, it's uh, it, wrestling is all about reps. It's all about the number of matches you've had. The the veterans exactly. in the sport aren't yeah, necessarily. Yeah. And all five of the people we nominated are people that did uh, extensive matches in the last two years. They took advantage of every opportunity in 2020 when almost nobody was booking. Uh, Roxy and Danny Limelight in particular were working five days a week. In the yeah. second half of 2020. So, you know, yeah, they, they Roxy is showing is showing a lot of seasoning experience because she's put in the work. And Danny Limelight is the same way. Aramis, Aries, Mr. Iguana are, are all showing that they have the experience. And part of what I look at at this is, uh, you know, is that then- is that uh, something that is causing them to rise up faster than other people of similar in similar places and. And that's how they've yeah. made their names is by yeah. hitting places. I mean, they've made yeah. their reputation by showing up a ton of places and doing top quality work. I mean, like these are top guys showing up and it's crazy. Some of the play like North Carolina, you know, you can go mm-hmm. to see Mr. Guana, North Carolina. Like that's cool. He's literally hitting everywhere. No spots left in between. And that's how you make your name. I mean, yeah. he, how you build your brand and like yeah. it's incredible to see it. Yeah, and that's that's I think that's something they all have. So I really wanted to Absolutely. emphasize that that they all hustled. I mean, I'm going to constantly refer to, even though I said 2020 is the year to forget, people who we talked about and got noticed in 2020 are the ones that are now they're filling this list up. Mm-hmm. You'll see. So, yeah. right. well, if you want to know who is our rising star of the year, you're going to have to listen to next week's episode. That is definitely going to be a category uh, that's going to be pretty hotly contested. I feel like a lot of the categories this year are pretty contested, um, but uh, you'll listen on as we talk more about them. Up next, Brendan, would you mind introducing our nominees for trios of the year? Absolutely. Um, we have... Uh so first off, we need to reestablish again. Trios of the year is a very important lucha libre thing. Like this is uh, hugely, 
hugely impacting the the culture of lucha libre. You go back all the way to like the the Brasos, who we talked about uh, quite a bit this year for various reasons, and uh, you know the uh, the um, Negro Navarro and his uh, Missionary de la Muerte that just uh, that revolutionized trios and made it such a necessary thing that you now see a trios match guaranteed on every card. So this is part of why we're doing trios of the year. And I feel like we have some solid choices that this year, like a lot of these are, are real trios. They're trios that are, are kind of trying to find a way to deepen this tradition. And uh, I'm just going to go ahead and name them off and then, we're going to have somebody – I'll let Dusty kick off with, with thoughts right when I'm done here. Uh, first up, we have uh, Nueva Generation Dinamite, D- uh, NGD, who worked both in CMLL and then the Indies and AAA later in the year. Uh, they they made bigger news when they did that. We have La Empresa, who we've seen all over AAA lately, and they're they're kind of more of a freebird style faction where we don't always know what three we're going to get, but uh, we do have a number of people, and we can talk about that composition in a little bit. We have Legado del Fantasma from NXT. Uh, we've been talking about them forever. That is uh, a, a tree, another true trio that they actually. Uh, have been able to make into a notable trio in a in an area where NXT doesn't really have that. They don't have trios titles. They don't traditionally do a lot of trios work. And then Porter del Norte, a perennial trio of the year in every award show. <laughs> uh, I mean, like they 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 had a multi multi year winning streak, which was only broken this year, and they only got more famous when they lost. Just, <laughs> and then I, uh, we have the Infernals, which is a new trio this year, sort of. It's a re- returning version of the, of the original trios. They were inter- introduced by Satanico, who was in the original Inferno, uh, which is, consists now of Echicero, Euphoria, and Mephisto. So, um, uh, they, this is the only trio on this list that doesn't have a lot of matches this year, but they made just a bit as big of an impact just by existing. Uh, so I'm just going to go ahead, Dusty. Do you have any thoughts on the trios this year? Yeah, I I think that the two two that especially stand out for me are Nuevo Generacion Dinamita and La Empresa, and for very similar reasons, although in different ways. Nuevo Generacion Dinamita, they jumped from CMLL to AAA, and they did it as a group. Like, that's huge. These three guys, obviously, there's some familial relation there. But to do it as a trio, I think, is huge. La Empresa, on the other hand, these were, if not main event, like very top of the card guys with uh, Puma King and Diamante Azul, now DMT Azul. And then you have the addition of Sam Adonis. And he really adds a certain genesequa to the to the mix. Something about having that American heel in the mix, and he does what he does so well. Like he is just so good and yeah. so believable, and it makes you. I mean, you love to hate these guys. Like I love Sam Adonis, but like when you see him on screen, you're like Sam Adonis. You know, I, I mean, punch. like you're, yeah, yes. you're so bad he's at so, it. He's and, so good. And he's so believable, and like. Yeah. That just 
Yeah, but it's also like he's he's not out of place though. He has such no, he's such a good heel, and they they such a firm understanding of his Mm -hmm. role, and even just the Spanish language and lucha libre. That it's one of the rare things when you have an American in a faction too, where it's not out of place. He's just as integral and just as embedded as any of the other members, and so I think that's what makes La Empresa that much more unique. They're definitely the most unique on this list. Uh, uh, Poder del Norte and NGD are more traditional sort of trios. Yeah. Infernals is a callback to a traditional trio. We haven't seen enough of their identity, but they're probably going to be very traditional because they're still working in CMLL. So, yeah, it's super unique. La Impresa. Uh I was just kind of, you know, the elephant in the room with Legato because, you know, that was my nomination. <laughs> And that was really because it's more of a testament to how much what they've survived uh-huh. in 2021. And even though there was, you know, I mean, that whole hit row legato feud was something that uh, as much as it didn't live up or end on the note that we had all had hoped or thought of, it was one of the longest storylines in NXT. Mm-hmm. True. And mm-hmm. one of the things that, almost survived to the 2.0 era that yeah. kind of did well, the <laughs> fact that they survived to the yeah. 2.0 yes. era honestly is commendable because i i for sure thought especially when we heard hit row had been released i thought oh no legato del, legato del fantasma next you know like that's yeah. that's absolutely Protect legato. Protect and, legato. And, i mean like i didn't see it being anything else but they're still yeah. there and that's honestly impressive it means that they see something in them and have some kind of plans for them that we don't know about and just their resilience over the year and being able to stay like that is a big deal yeah. right and again to when i introduced them they're the they're the faction they carved out their place they, they did yes there. yeah. they're they you know they camped there to the point like where they survived they won the feud with hit row by still existing they did I mean, it was still standing, Still kind of sad to see how, um, you know, Santos's reign as cruiserweight champion ended and kind of like literally as soon he had spent all that time making that championship matter and important and rise up to a level of, you know, people wanting to watch. And as soon as he lost it and the series that happened after that just yep. felt like they easily diminished that title in what two months after yeah. you know, almost a year of work. So, but I do think that Raul Mendoza and Joaquin Wilde are an excellent tag team. And Absolutely. the that they have been able to get to that NXT tag title so close, so many times, it kind of breaks my heart. But at the same time as a trio, they continue to be strong, and now again, no other factions. They're they're the longest fa- you know reigning faction there too, um, and there's so much that that can, that can happen with them. Um, even adding Electra to it, yeah, um, you know yeah. that in and of itself was, you know, we we talked about the storyline choices might not might still being kind of random for them, but they are still making it work. And through all of that in 2021, I absolutely agree. I think they've earned their nomination by just still standing. It's true. 
it's all yeah i mean they, and they to your point about law and price they're unique on this list too for yes. uh, uh, that reason for carving out their own territory they're they're unique but also their overall style going in yeah. and saying this is lucha legacy this is we want to um, make lucha important we want to make you know and being a trio taking that storyline is important so i mean that their uniqueness is uh, is pretty powerful and can't be overlooked in, in the, uh, this category either. Yeah. Thank you. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. All right, our next category, Dusty. Go ahead, introduce us. What do we have up next? We have the Tag Team of the Year. First up, we have Lucha Bros. If you have been watching pretty much anything in American or Mexican Lucha Libre, you've seen the Lucha Bros this year. They were champions in both uh, AAA and AEW. They didn't carry it on throughout the year in AAA, but they were long-term AAA champions. Very, you know, exciting team, obviously. We all love Pentagon and Phoenix. Next up, we had Los Genetes del Are. They had a big year. They had, you know, honestly a match of the year contender against the Lucha Bros in AAA. So, Big year for them. We have the LAX team of Slice, Boogie, and Danny Limelight. I mean, we've mentioned them already. Like, huge year for these guys. We have Los Faccion, Ingo Bernable, Dragon Lee, and Kenny King. Honorable mention to Dragon Lee and his brother Drillistico, but they just didn't do enough for me this year. I mean, like, we didn't see enough out of them. But Dragon Lee, big guy. And then we also have Los Parks. MLW, you know, they big, I mean, of course some trios work too, but big tag team. Uh, Brendan, do you want to start us off talking about, you know, what you think from this selection? Oh, well, this was, this was one of the hardest categories for me here because there were a lot of good tag teams. Absolutely. A lot of this was a year of yeah. tag team wrestling. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like, uh, we, we narrowed it down to four and then five when I, when we remembered that, uh, somebody else had a big year. We, We'll go over that, but, uh, it's, it, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, how can you not talk about the Lucha Bros this year? They, they have had huge high profile matches on both AEW and AAA, which I believe is two, two promotions is unique to almost ever, two major promotions to, add to on this list. I believe that is the unique one on this list. You guys can correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, but, uh, you know, then you have all of these, you have MLW represented really well with, with, uh, 5150 and Los Parks on here. And then I chronicled what LFI did, uh, uh with the tag team stuff all mm-hmm. during ROH all year long. And I, I agree with you, Dusty. Dragon Lee and Kenny King were the better incarnation yes. of LFI in this year. Yes. But, uh, I, we're going to see big things out of that Dragon League or least a co-tag team in the very near future, I guarantee. Um, I, yeah, Miranda, do you have any thoughts on the tag well, teams? I feel like this year was a year where we could, 
really talk about the Lucha Bros in their fullest potential. I feel like 2020 uh, was a year where we, I specifically remember us discussing the Lucha Bros and why they were not Mm -hmm. featured, more being featured as, you know, a, a, a tag team, a, a tag team and yeah. really going after the AEW tag team titles. Um, and this year it felt like everything came together. Um, it came together in their matches and their feud. I mean, go back to good old reliable, but Hey, if it works, it works. Their feud between, you know, from them and the young bucks, you know, yes. we know it works. Yeah. We know it's good. You go back to it and damn, did it deliver? So mm-hmm. I felt like we could finally, breathe that sigh of relief with the lucha bros in aew and say finally they're they're working in the right pace in the right spots in the right matches for them. yeah they're hit, uh, hit so stride. so you 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 cued me in on something uh that i just had popped back into my head notable absence uh notably absent here is uh proud and powerful yeah who uh also we were talking about in that respect this so it'll be interesting if we get that lucha bros proud and powerful match in yeah. the next year we might be talking about both of them in I know. this this category. And I hope I think proud and powerful they they got to some really great moments but I feel like they were still lost in the mix Yeah with, absolutely yeah, yeah like they were still being not held back but they were just still within that mix of um what was it um yeah, they were in a five-on-five feud. Yeah, the inner circle. They were more of a faction guys than Yeah, the inner circle versus the pinnacle kind of feud and yep. uh, just those things where I felt like they we couldn't really get them as the best in the, in the tag team realm. No, and uh, right. but I I was more – we were talking – it's just kind of for me the tale of two – and and just so juxtaposing where the Lucha Bros are is kind of what I was thinking. Yeah. Right. They, well, uh, and last year, a big part of what made Proud and Powerful popular for Tag Team of the Year was the the street fight that they got put into because Lucha Bros couldn't compete. You know, like yeah. they got that spot just by chance, and that was kind of their star-making appearance as a tag team, at least, in AEW. Yeah. It's true. Instead of a faction group. So true. Well, they're back. Where they would have been without that, yeah. Well, yeah, and, yeah. So, oh, so I, it, it just it, and to your point that they uh, lost the Lucha Bros, really kind of filled into that potential that they missed out on last year mm-hmm. because yeah. of uh, here they are as the champs and all of that. Sorry, Miranda, please go ahead. No, no, no. I just wanted to address the two MLW teams with Slice Boogie and Danny Limelight and those parks. I think for Slice and Danny, too, what some people may not know, but us West Coasters out here, too, is that they've been a team for quite some time. And as Danny had mentioned, you know, a United uh, Wrestling Network tag team champions. Um, So they've also had a presence of uh, on the uh, East on the West Coast. Um, Big upcoming match. I mean, they they fought against war beast at mm-hmm. uh, pcw ultra and Ooh. heading to see them again soon uh, yeah. and danny made a point when he talked with us is that they're going for every tag title that they can and now being mlw tag team champions is you know really just one uh notch in that belt of you know collecting as many tag titles as possible and so i feel like you know, the presence that they have has already been fairly well established on the West Coast, but they are growing to become more dominant um, all throughout the U.S. And again, even their appearance in Mexico um, has been 
pretty well touted. That really raised their brand. Yes. Yes. And, and with Lowe's Parks, they were one of the longest reigning MLW, uh, tag team champions. Uh, I feel like, you know, their reign was a little bit more comical uh, of the utilization of twin magic of many a time. (laughs) But they also had giant brawls and, yes, uh, yeah. I mean, I think that that was uh, something different for those titles as they did that reign and, you know, a inadvertent free. I mean, they did kind of have the free bird rules. We've also, you know, mentioned with some some other teams. Um, but I think it was more Ehold at L.A. Park and L.A. Park Jr. that really carried that with the presence of L.A. Park as that figurehead. Um, so and of course, you know, you, you always had that that difference in changing changing things up but it's it's good you know we had to recognize them as you know the center of the mlw tag team scene to the point where they did end up getting you know that feud with 5150 over yeah and they they uh had a like a year-long title reign but I, I just the other thing is that by being on MLW that allowed them to light up the indies because mm-hmm. there was I've talked about Los Parks one iteration or another being all over the indies in America and Mexico this entire year and there was with the you know and it was it was like you said it was usually the boys that would do do the do the tag team and then uh, L A Park would be in in the main event yeah. somewhere but they would always be branded and on the card and represented like it's hard to talk about a tag team having a better year than them so yeah the the last thing i just want to say i mean those gerentes de aire yes i wanted to mention them before we got out of here super gosh they're just so So good individually (laughs) and the fact that that like it's oh my gosh it's such a stacked faction you, when, you have when, Laredo Kid, Octagon Jr., Il Vikingo, Mysticis Jr. I mean, like, the lineup. And you could get yeah. any two of the four. Exactly. Like, and I think it's almost so like crazy, superhero-esque. You it know? is. Yeah, like think the Super about, Friends or the Yeah, Avengers. like Super yeah. Friends, like the Avengers, like the Justice League. Individually, they are outstanding. When But the, when they are together, it is otherworldly and you know it's almost like saying a tag team just doesn't do it justice um you know but i think that that's also the beauty of them is that they do work so well together um when they when they are a team but just individually they all are you know they all have their own pillar to stand on and Mm -hmm. out of all of these teams when you think about just individual amazing talent that's up there. I mean, Lucha Bros, I feel like you could easily do that as well. But this, like, this is the Justice League of Lucha Libre. Well, and so you bring up an interesting thing in that they are like the Lucha Bros, that everybody's inevitably waiting for them to all to have their singles run, too. So yeah, they, they, uh, they, they're just this packed bundle of dynamite for any promotion that has them where you can just you know they're gonna show up as a tag team this weekend and light the tag team division on fire uh you know laredo kids gonna challenge the world for whatever gold they've got uh you know just it's there's always something and there's always something that can happen just like the lucha bros so it's really they're both a, a top contender for tag team is but they're just omnipresent they're like they could have been in any of these categories yeah uh yeah, just an incredible team. Yes. 
Well, that is it for our nominees for Tag Team of the Year. And, of course, you know, the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast. We <laughs> are on LuchaCentral.com, as well as the other shows from the Lucha Central Podcast Network. But wait, there's more. Brendan, can you let our listeners know what else they can find on LuchaCentral.com? All right, let's do this for the end of the year. If you're listening to this and you haven't visited LuchaCentral.com, it's time to do it. LuchaCentral.com is the online home for Lucha Libre, where you can get the top news in English and in Spanish. Find the best curated video content and original content not seen anywhere else. Find when Lucha Libre events would be happening in your area. Find photo galleries from top photographers covering Lucha Libre around the world. A place to have your voices heard from weekly polls to annual awards. Seen and read by top executives in all of the major Lucha Libre promotions across the globe. And here we go, guys. It's free. So there's no reason not to go there at all. LuchaCentral.com, your centralized place for all things Lucha Libre. Speaking of LuchaCentral.com, I know we still have a few categories to discuss, but you know what's going to be the big game changer next year? Uh, for 2022 that may throw all of this into a turmoil is what we see at Expo Lucha. Yeah. Just the uh, matches we've already had announced. Goodness. Yes. Yes. (laughs) So uh, that's going to be the wild card factor that I think we, uh, we definitely are going to have to keep our eyes on. And all of you don't forget tickets for Expo Lucha are already available uh, and make sure you get them now. There is now a holiday special for your tickets where you can get bundles for, I believe, $60. Um, and, of course, ticket prices ranging depending on the experience that you want to have at Expo Lucha. But make sure you look at tickets now. Uh, even though we're in heading into the new year, June isn't that far away. Uh, so oh. Expo Lucha happening in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, uh, the 11th and 12th of June, 2022, um, matches, exclusive signings, VIP experiences, all of that is going to be happening at Expo Lucha. So as a person who's done both the GA and the VIP experience, uh, I can tell you, you still get a good bang for your buck out of the GA experience. There's, uh, uh the arena that we were in before always had good seats. You just had to, uh, find one and then kind of sit in it for a little extra long to make sure you had it. Uh, but, uh, you still have access to tons of wrestlers. You have, you have access to all of the shows last year, the last couple of shows, there were four shows that you had access to with individual signing time and merchant availability as well. The VIP experience, what it added was more during the, those downtimes, you had more opportunity for uh, one-on-one contact with with the wrestlers or access to uh, access to the uh, the Lucha Bowling Night, which I've, anybody who's ever conceived of of going bowling with a man in a giant Minotaur mask, that's <laughs> you know. <laughs> Just say. Sounds amazing. Yeah, I was gonna <laughs> really say. Uh, can, can Sounds like that? my kind of party. <laughs> Are we doing that? Can we ask the bosses if that's a thing? Well, Black Taurus has to agree to be at Lucha Bowl again, but uh, I, I mean, I, I hope it. I hope he shows up. I hope that's a thing. Uh, we'll always give that pitch as part of the VIP experience because that made the night for me. But uh, uh, 
yeah, like so you get they're both great experiences. So don't feel bad if you're only getting the GA. You're getting a lot, and you're gonna. I guarantee with the what we've seen and what I've talked to with Kevin and Ruben about what they want to do, you're gonna get a phenomenal, mind blowing experience out of this. Well, we are heading into the second half of this show, and we have three more categories left. Up next is our Luchadora of the Year, and we have five nominees. Introducing first from NXT, former NXT Women's Champion Raquel Gonzalez. From Ring of Honor and all over the independent scene, Miranda Alizé. AEW and really the world's champion <laughs> of our hearts, <laughs> La Mera Mera, Thunder Rosa, uh, from the independent scene of Mexico, and even someone who made her debut in the U.S. this year, Baronessa, and of course, Ring of Honor Women's World Champion, Rock C. Uh, so we've already talked about Roxy as our rising star, uh, <laughs> and so she is someone that made obviously made it into uh, this category, as well as a Miranda Alizé. As we talked about, it was a very hard choice to just nominate Roxy for a rising star, but it was somewhat of an easy choice to uh, have both of them in this category. Um, I I just want to personally note the year that Raquel Gonzalez has had, um, because really 2020 set her up for what we saw in 2021. You're going to step on me? Well, look, I'm gonna have, I, I mean, I just got to – technically, NXT is my jam. So let's, let's – hold on. I'm just trying to do my job. I'm just trying to do my job here. But what I'll briefly kind of – the year for her, I mean, starting off with um, a, a fantastic match between her and Rhea Ripley – to uh, winning the inaugural Women's Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic and becoming the first NXT Women's Tag Team Champions. And, of course, to what we saw her do in April um, and finally becoming NXT Women's Champion. I mean, uh, talk about someone who has thrived and grown in long-term storytelling. Raquel Gonzalez, this is the fruit of what we saw, you know, sowed last year come to fruition this year. Yeah, that's that's where I was going to go, because those the regular listeners of the show will know that I've been on the Raquel hype yes. train for you've been you've been day one ish. You've been day one. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, Credit to Brendan. He's been day one. It's very true. Dallas. <laughs> uh, but uh, I'm so excited this whole year to see all of this play out. She had a fantastic feud. She was the center of attention, not just in the women's division, but I mean, First off, this was still the best women's division in the world and potentially any division in the world for a good part of this year still. Uh, and, uh, and then, but she, like you said, she had all the memorable matches. When you talk about anything that happened in NXT this year, Raquel was usually figured into it. Um, just amazing. And I'm, I'm glad to see that she grew into that, uh, into that area. Reminder for everybody, this is a second generation luchador, so like a lot of the people on this, on the rising star list, she started young. Uh, she, but, and she's a multi-sport athlete. She was a college volleyball player, so she's all over the board on, on the things she can do, and I think, uh, we're gonna see a lot more from her, so of course, I'm, I'm, she's gonna, I'm gonna, spoiler alert, I'm probably gonna nominate her for Luchador of the Year, like every year for the rest of my life, but. <laughs> <laughs> Lifelong 
placement there in that. But again, this year was was noted of that, you know. <laughs> it's one where she absolutely earned this. And this was the beauty, again, of seeing long-term development. This is when patient yes. wears off. This is uh, when taking your time and developing a star. This is when the magic formula, the secret sauce, comes together to create a star. Absolutely. Guys, what are, what are some of your other thoughts on here um, regarding our nominees? I know I already, you know, and feel free to yeah. add what I had already mentioned with Roxy and Miranda. I would say, <laughs> um, yeah. For me, Thunder Rosa had a huge year. Her feud with Britt Baker launched her to the next level. We all knew she was capable of it. We've talked about her for a while on the podcast, but all of America got to see it. I I don't know if it's still the case, but at one time, at the time that it aired, the lights out match, the unauthorized match between Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa was the most watched match on AEW TV, period. Like nobody had seen the any match more than that match. And that speaks to not only Rosa's talent and ability, but also her talent and ability in building and maintaining that feud. They were given so little to work with in the beginning, and it was really them, like Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker, that made it what it was. Clawing and scratching for every inch they could get onto TV or YouTube or even on their social medias. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Rosa made it all believable. So, so, uh, I, I, as awesome as what the what Thunder Rosa did on AEW, this we have to talk about the bigger picture. We have to talk about the fact that she was on multiple promotions. She absolutely handling, yeah. and she's handling her own. Like she was, you could not go in most uh, most of these markets without seeing uh, either either seeing her or somebody calling her out to try and get her there. Like yeah. she was the person that everybody was on the tip of everybody's tongue. Well, let's, let's be honest. She is the originator of the forbidden door concept that we saw in 2020. (laughs) She is the OG. She's the number one. She was the first. And she continued that this year in 2021 by still having that working relationship with the NWA, uh, crossing over to impact at bound Mm -hmm. for glory to face Deanna Parazzo, which that too is, you know, a dream match for a lot of people still continuing a very healthy presence in the independent scene, as well as her own promotion, uh, mission pro, which is, you know, that promotion in and of itself is where we do get to see talent, thrive and grow to then eventually see them on uh, products like AEW and all over the independent scene. So she too is still growing not only her own brand, but uh, you know, the, the next generation of women's wrestling and still this, you know, 2020 was a phenomenal year for her and the breaks have not stopped. um, No, not at all. Not at all. Not at all. However, I'll say, but, I don't know that you could find a like we call her luchadora of the year, but honestly, man or woman, it's hard to find anybody that went from being like a wrestler, a luchador in 2020 to being considered literally the most badass luchador in America. Yes. And like man or woman, that's Thunder Rosa. She is the most yeah. badass luchador in America. It, in an America that has uh, has uh, Pentagon Junior in their TV sets every week. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, she, yeah, exactly. I mean, she's uh, uh, easily, sorry. 
Penta and, and El Zero Merido. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Still, either no matter what the name is, Ponderosa La Mera Mera yeah. is is the the most badass. Yeah. She's the one Absolutely. that they they're gonna yeah. Um, and that you, match went harder than any match on TV this year by far. Even maybe yeah. some of the pay per view. I mean, like they that showed that the women were just as tough as the men. I mean, when was the last time you saw the women bleed in a match like that? Much oh. less on TV. You know, for uh, free uh, on TV. For free, like, no. Yeah. I saw it on a pay-per-view in Mexico where yeah. you know, yeah. a Mr. woman Naya. who is noticeably not on this list. This well, year. and and let's throw let's that talk out. About I mean, that. Yeah, yeah. cuz we we had such high hopes for Taya this year oh, when boy. she signed with uh WWE for the NXT brand as Frankie Monet. Um, you know, a show that we're going to talk about in a little bit, and maybe that's a teaser, in May when she made her debut, she beat Cora Jade, who now is becoming a contender for, you know, the NXT Women's Championship. So it's also a very interesting thing to explore how much things change in a year. There was so much potential and excitement to have her in NXT, and we all think that she was a great fit for the WWE product, just not only out of her talent, but just out of her charisma, understanding television, being yep. on a you know weekly product. And it does seem like that is one of the biggest missed opportunities of this year. Um, however, you know, as we talk about what to expect next year, fairly optimistic that she will make her way back on this list in 2022. I mean, we will at least be discussing why she's not on the list again, if the very least. So yeah, because the world is hers and we know she can take it. We know she can do whatever the hell she wants. Um, and, but that's kind of a thing that I'm looking at everybody on this list. Like these are all, all of them are people who have, had a window, just a sliver of opportunity, and, and they took it. I mean, whether it's Raquel who, uh, they, she had to, to not get cut for a couple of years and not be on TV and not be, and, and just finally got, got that one opportunity to break out and got there, or Miranda and Roxy who, uh, took the advantage of this women's tournament to elevate their brand, or Thunder Rosa who took advantage of anything to elevate her. Like yeah. that's, you know, that's that's the story of the Luchadoras is they they're they're going to take any opportunity they've got and they're going to they're going to turn it into something that's magical. And so it's it's telling that that uh, Ty is not on the list. But uh, at the same time, we know that she's capable of doing exactly the same thing as the five we've got on here. Um, we haven't talked a lot about Baronessa yet, so uh, I I wanted to to bring up that I, I mean I've had the chance to see her in person now because she started coming into the into the uh, into the American scene. Uh, we're we're seeing more of her. I think she's the kind of she's almost more of the rising star, except for the fact that she's been in so many high profile matches and and being used so well that I I wanted to for us to have a little bit more of a conversation about her. Uh believe Miranda, you even had the opportunity to work with her this year? Uh yes. So uh I announced for her at uh Viva La Lucha Libre in um Cathedral City back in August. <laughs> 
I believe she was also the first and only woman wrestler to graduate from the Mount Tempest Professional Wrestling School that she graduated from. Her maestro was Mr. Tempest. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, legendary to, mm-hmm. to, I mean, he, he is a tough man. And to come out of that, um, I mean, she was also trained by Super Astro, trained by Solar. I mean, like, yeah. can you imagine? I mean, and have it shows. To, yeah, that she has that Cadets del Espacio style. I mean, like, it just, it harkens back to that 80s thing that they had and what made EMLL so synergistic and so unique at the time. And, and she does it all. I mean, she's very Ruta. Her, her gimmick is based on the Baronessa from G.I. Joe. Like, Mr. Tempest is a G.I. Joe <laughs> fan. He likes to watch G.I. Joe. Who knew? And so he gave, like, gave her this idea and she ran with it. And when she started, like, she had to wrestle a lot of the guys. Obviously, she was the only woman in her school, but mm-hmm. in Mexicali, where she started, she, wrestled the guys and you see that in her style too i mean she has such an aggressive and i don't want to say macho but almost i mean like it's her style she doesn't hold anything back she's very masculine and aggressive in a way that we don't often see in the luchadoras because they tend not not to be more feminine but the the style is just different and she can do anything and that more aggressive wrestling style that like you see with the super astro the solar thing yeah it just makes her stand out in a way that makes her unique amongst all these women for the luchadora of the year yeah no she she very that's kind of part of where i what i like about her too she's carving out a very unique place uh so she's not as high profile as the other ones but she's had a hell of a year like on on very little push because she wasn't coming off of a main event uh, in AAA or CMLL she's still busting out in the American Indies right now absolutely like, you know like and she became women's champion for Robles promotions this year yeah you that's know, true I mean, like a big that's it well I mean that's a they tour a lot and it's you they know do. a lot of American indie lucha in the southwest and yeah so for her to I mean it's a big year for her I mean yeah yeah, I, I, I had, uh, forotten who had the belt that I saw her defending, but that was, yeah. was that Robles yeah. took promotion yes. belt. Yeah. She's done a lot this year as well for equalizing, and I kind of mentioned this here, hinted at this, but like the difference between men and men's lucha and women's lucha, she has done more to equalize that. I mean, Thunder Rosa too, but Baronessa, I mean, she, for Thunder Rosa, it's easier. She's in America. There's more talent. I mean, people take her seriously. She's a name brand. Baronessa fought for that spot. She made that spot. And the fact that she's done so much to close the gap in the styles is really commendable and deserves recognition too, in my opinion. So, I mean, we're talking about Thunder Rosa of 2021. But when you say, but uh, she fought for that spot several years ago. So in a right. lot of ways, we're looking at what Rosa did, uh, and we're just and seeing that, it firsthand. Again. We're just we're just yeah. seeing it happen, and I think she's she's taking those lessons and she's moving leaps and bounds faster than Rosa did. I think that's yeah. She's standing of, on the shoulder <laughs> of giants to see her. She really is. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's like a 
great analogy for her. And I mean, that's exactly what she's been able to do. We, we've talked a lot about other people on the group, on the list, seizing opportunity. And mm-hmm. she seizes opportunity. I mean, to come yeah. out of Mexicali, she was the, you know, I mean, had her first big win, I think, was over Rossi Moreno. And now she's, I mean, on the Indies, she wrestles, I believe, for Crash. At least she did. I know she she, she did some did Crash shows for sure. Yeah. And I mean, Chaos. Uh, she's kind of been everywhere, and and one of the best Rudas in wrestling ever. Yeah, and, that actually is the the part that we we have not touched on at all. Like, uh, she's a natural Ruda. She uh she just always has a way. She knows how to connect with the audience and make them aware that uh they don't need to like her. Like she Right. <laughs> and and that's hard with somebody like Thunder Rosa because she has so much charisma mm-hmm. and you want to cheer for her no matter what. Even if she's, you know, kind of in the heel position, the Ruta position, you want to cheer for her. Whereas Baronessa, like you, like you feel good about that boo because she works so hard for it. You right? know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. She, yeah, no, she's really good at that. And that is a, that's a rare skill these days to be that good at being heel that even though everybody wants want to like to you. Heel. Yeah, they yeah. want to be liked. They want to be cheered and to, to embrace it the way she has. Yeah, it's just so cool. Uh, Thunder Rosa as well. I mean, we've seen the, the same thing with the, getting the crowd to cheer for her. the way mm-hmm. that she has, I mean, kind of on the flip side of that coin. I mean, they've, they've had similar careers, but Baronessa just did it much more quickly and within the last couple of years. Yeah. And so it's cool to see that juxtaposition against each other. That's going to make it an interesting choice. That's the reason that, uh, I, I, I'm not going to lie on this one. That was my nominee. I just, I thought that she'd done so much so fast and it was paying off so well this year that it was, it, it, you know, I'm going to, push hard for her to win she may not win but it's still worth it for her to be in the conversation like absolutely uh, you know there's some giant names in this category there is it was a big year for women's wrestling we've talked about it before at one time nxt had the most stacked roster in women's wrestling and they had a lot of luchadoras on there well at least they had you know frankie taya they had raquel um but now you know like Different change, different, you know, we may see a big shakeup in the list of luchadoras next year, but I think that Thunder Rosa, Baronessa, those are names we're going to see again. Yeah, absolutely. Easily. And, and that kind of leads us into luchador of the year, which is your territory, Brendan. All right, let's do this. Uh, so we ha- have five candidates for this year as well. Uh, we have, uh, Luchador of the Year uh, is pretty self-explanatory. It is the, the the male version of the Luchador of the Year. These are people that we think had had a great year, whether it's winning titles, uh, becoming a household brand, or uh, you know just being a legend. You're going to see all of that in these nominees. It's uh, true. Uh, we have uh, the, first up. We have the most obvious pick for all of us. <laughs> Hijo del Vikingo. I mean, we were we were all waiting for him yeah. to break out, and and uh, he had his moment. Uh, we'll we can talk a bit more about that. We also have um, Aries as a pick here. Uh, he's uh, that rare rising star and luchador of the year 
uh, nominee because of all of the work he's put in. But uh, we'll see. You know, yeah, I'm just stuttering over my words. I'm looking at the rest <laughs> of this list. Uh, and then uh, when I have talked about being a legend, you know, we have L.A. Park. Like, yeah, LA, I mean. So- so nominee, LA Park, you can uh, you can pretty much perennially nominate him for Luchador of the Year, and nobody would disrespect you for putting him in there. Uh, well, he hustled hard the last two years too. Yeah, I mean, he made a lot of appearances. <laughs> Lucha Fighter, I mean, yeah. yeah. We can we, I, I, we can go a little more into that. I just trying yeah, to get all yeah. this. No worries. <laughs> uh, Laredo Kid, and um, and then rounding out the list, we have Roosh. I mean, what a list. <laughs> and we've seen – the interesting thing is we've seen, well, you know, all of these guys in some kind of main event in some company this year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, or, or – I feel I mean, like that is our, our unspoken requirement yes. for this. And <laughs> – but I mean, like to the talent level, Il Del Vikingo, we, we got to start out about him. What a year he had. I mean, this, we, we called it last year at the beginning of Lucha Fighter, you know, Il Del Vikingo, this is the guy, this is the guy. And yeah. this was the year we finally got to see that flower bloom. He did so much. There were some rumors, you know, he took some time off to, to have a child. A daddy now. Yeah. I mean, what a big year for him. He was yeah. handpicked by Kenny Omega to have that. Triple A Mega Campion Championship match. Allegedly, he was handpicked by Kenny to win. You know, I mean, how do we know yeah. that? That's a rumor. But he did win a huge international five way match with a lot of stars, May W involved. He became Crash Heavyweight Champion this year. He wrestled trios matches with uh, Los Enites del Are. He did. Tag team matches with them. He had singles matches. I mean, this was really the year of Vikingo. I think it's only a matter of time until we see him in AEW. I think he's going to be like the first big name we see come through that door and, you know, work as a main event level star in AEW. I yeah. I mean, there's a lot going on for E.L. Del Vikingo this year, and I don't even know that this is his best year. I don't – I think next year – I mean, I think within the next three months, 2022 will already be his best year. He's already <laughs> had – well, he's already had a title defense against yeah. Laredo Kid uh, that hasn't been aired. It was taped. They say it's phenomenal. You hear about it. How could it not be <laughs> phenomenal? And you get the added like emotional investment to them being teammates in Los Enites del Aire. And you know, you you just want so much for him. He had that emotional moment at the press conference where you found out that he was going to be wrestling Kenny Omega for the Mega Campion Championship. And you got to invest in that emotional journey with him along the way. And it just makes it feel so much richer and so much more satisfying now that he's the champion, that we're getting to see this journey of him as champion. And a lot of times champion is recognition of, you know, being the best, but sometimes you earn it with your longevity. He didn't earn it with his longevity. He earned it by being the best, by knocking your socks off every time he steps in the ring. There is nothing he does where you're not like, oh, my gosh. He raises the bar every time. I I don't know that he's going to be that longevity wrestler. I I mean, 
he, he, if you burn that bright, sometimes <laughs> you burn out fast. Yeah, he strikes me as the kind of guy that's going to hit uh, a few of his check marks, and then he's going to go off and do the next thing that he's go can be overly successful at. Like he's he's not going to be content to be the legend on the card that just comes out, takes a paycheck, and does it a single tope and goes home. Right? I'm, we all know that guy. Sometimes they're not even that legendary, but we all know <laughs> that guy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so yeah, we, he may, he may move on to the next thing is kind of what I'm, but we'll see. We'll see this definitely not this year. Uh, yeah. he, he came back from the next thing. Like he already conquered being a dad, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> he was to that point. We can't understate that. He, he had said, announced his retirement. Now I know everybody in Lucha Retires, announced their right. retirement, <laughs> but, <laughs> but he really did pull out of shows and, and take time off. Unlike other people, I'm um, looking yeah. at Conan big who uh, <laughs> again this year and then wrestled like three weeks later. So, but uh, yeah, it's, he did, he did all of that. Um, he, and I'm going to, since we talked about, we're going to, we're going to juxtapose that with uh, the, with LA park. Who's on this list. Now LA park, is the opposite end of the spectrum. He's, he was, he Odell Kingo before there was even anybody knew there was going to be an LA par or a La Parca. Uh, he was that, he was the young high flyer with an exciting style who, uh, then later went to WCW and became obsessed with chairs. Uh, <laughs> like just, <laughs> and, but it, it, that's, that is my point though. He has existed for decades and he's reinvented himself decade after decade after decade and this latest iteration we've seen is the one uh fans probably have seen the most of but it's also the the most complete he's he's a bigger than life personality he's a brawler he's you know he's uh he's done he's done it all but he's not stopping so that's uh, why why we're talking about him still for luchador of the year because he's in the mix, he was doing, he was wrestling for titles. He was part of, uh, two or three major promotions in the last year. Like, you just can't not talk about him. And, uh, yeah, uh, anyway, those, uh, <laughs> yeah. we can, we can all probably talk about LA Park forever, but I think there's more people on this Luchador of the Year list that we could, we could really dig into. Um, Miranda, I'm hearing you giggling over there. So you have any? <laughs> Anyone you want to pick out? You know, I, I was going to say, I think in what I cover and what I've seen, um, one uh, with Audis, uh and, you know, that crossover, you know, making that, that presence more in the United States, um, not only in MLW, but even, you know, more uh, mainstream places like uh, GCW, um, yep. you know, having that. You know, getting to a different type of audience when you wrestle for GCW versus what you may see in other promotions. Um, Galley, which is really a staple in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Um, and someone whose name that you just, you know, heard a lot more of this year. I think with Laredo Kid, he was also someone who became that, uh, difference maker in impact. Um, and someone who, 
we know Impact's history with AAA, you know, hasn't been as, as strong as it has been in the past few years. But Laredo Kid was that kind of torchbearer now. And he's been able to fit in very well in the X division. And again, as we also talk about with um, previously uh, in Rising Star of the Year with Adi's, Eremis, and Mr. Iguana, Laredo Kid, even though he's been in, you know, with U.S. audiences before, having again that platform uh, and having uh, amazing, outstanding matches is something that you, you know, just take note of for this year. And I think it's, you know, you were talking about teasing about retirements and retirements. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it's hard, though, to deny uh well, the the big impacts of of world championship wins like with Roosh and Ihel de Vikingo, um, just you know, uh, Ring of Honor at one point had the best and most luchadors with titles, and I think that was that recognition that Ring of Honor had of lucha libre, um, even though they were more notable for that pure style, strong style, technical uh, aspect of wrestling. Um, having Rusha as your champion and part of a team of champions in Ring of Honor was that recognition of Ring of Honor noting Lucha Libre to be a formidable uh, form of of wrestling. But I, I mean, gosh, it's hard to deny Ijo. Like we talked about it last year. He's literally my favorite luchador. And the fact that, I mean, he's gotten more mainstream coverage without stepping foot in the United States than a lot of these other people who had to be in the United States to wrestle. It's true. Yeah. 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 Was, he, he built his, that is, we call, call people out for their uniqueness on these lists, this show. Um, and that is definitely the unique thing for, for Vic is that he's 100% built in Mexico. Like, uh, all of them, all the rest of these people on this list we're talking about be partially because of their success in America and, and branching out and becoming bigger names that way. Uh, you, you mentioned Roosh. I do want to go over that. Like he, he brought the faction in Gubernable to ROH and to the American Indies and he became the ROH champion for a very long time. Uh, he, he, uh, he was, uh, became a household name. They attempted to have, like, they have their own family press conference with Roosh as, like, the main event of this press conference. So, like, yeah, how that was can cool. You... <laughs> it really was. Like, that was see, cool. See, and Dusty's reaction is exactly the, the, that, that's the point of why he had to be on here. Like, just, so for some people, that would be attention grabbing and, and, and like nobody would be interested, but we were watching it going, this is cool. This is, yeah. This, yeah. So, I mean, his, his year ended on a bad note with a knee injury. Like it, I mean, he's not dead or anything, but he, <laughs> he's not, he's not nearly as prominent as other members of his family are right now. And it, it, I think that might be the thing that's holding him back from being a, bigger factor in this conversation but uh he is he 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 is an easy nomination in my opinion well here we are we made it to our final category of this year's end of year awards and dusty go ahead with the honors 
Yeah, this is the match of the year award. Like, this is the one y'all came for. This is the one people talk about all the time. You see a great match, you mention, you know, this match of the year contender. And all of these contenders, they, they have a lot of different things going on. But the thing they all have in common is they obviously were the best matches of the year. But not, not only that, but they raised the bar in some way. They gave us something that we hadn't seen before in some way. And we're not only special, but they're the kind of matches we'll be talking about in another five years. Like all of these matches, I think, will be looked back upon, especially when you mention the wrestlers involved. These will be looked as, you know, big deal matches in their career for one reason or another. First up, we had Lucha Bros versus Los Enites de la Re at AAA Heroes Immortales on October the 9th, 2021. Second, we had Roxy versus Miranda Alize, Death Before Dishonor, ROH, September the 12th, 2021. We had Valor versus Cross on NXT Weekly Programming, which was an interesting choice. For May the 25th, we have Young Bucks versus Lucha Bros at All Out. That's 2021, obviously, September the 5th. And finally, Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa in the Lights Out match from AEW St. Patrick's Slam Dynamite, regular TV show, September the 17th, 2021. Like, where, so somebody so, can jump in. Whoever wants to jump in, pick well, up. Well, I mean, it stands out we have two weekly shows on here. So yeah. that, that'll tell yeah. you. Special, yeah. <laughs> Like, it used to be uh, that you would get, uh, like, a schmage ending or something else, and, and that would be all towards making you buy on the pay-per-view or, you know, like, even way further back when it was all live shows. You you would know that if you were seeing a live show on a on a Tuesday, it probably wasn't going to be as significant as the one that was on a Saturday yeah. just down the road. So, like... But not anymore. We're seeing like they're they're throwing the this into the mix with the like and we had two contenders on here. Um I'm sure people are speculating which one of us nominated the ROH match. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which one of us nominated uh the the Finn Balor match, uh or the Kevin Cross match, but uh uh you know I don't which one of you guys wants to to pick one here? I just wanted to comment on how cool this list looks. Um, I, I will start with Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa. Uh, you know what a match that was. It's kind of easy to. I mean, it was about nine months ago, so it's kind of easy to to forget some of the details. But that was easily one of the best matches to ever air on TV. I mean, hands yeah. down, like you can't argue. And it's hard to say what's the best ever. Taste change, context change. Mm -hmm. But it was, in my opinion, also the best ever AEW match on TV. Like they've had pretty good pay-per-view, but go ahead. I do want to talk about that. It is, in my opinion, one of the best AEW matches. A lot of the time when we're talking about AEW matches, my feedback on it is it was a great match up until the end. Yeah. (laughs) And, yeah. uh, this is not something I said about this match. This was good all the way through. The ending felt satisfying. Every, it, it, I felt like it was, it was the end, good end to a feud. All of that. So just, just, uh, you yeah. know, 
in that respect where they, they it felt like it was a full product. It was you got everything you wanted out of that match. Well, and they had this badass thing at the end where Britt Baker said, your mistake was leaving me alive to be the face of the women's division. And Thunder Rosa said, I left you alive because I don't want to be the face of the women's division. I'm going to be the face of wrestling. Like, oh, the chills I got. Like, so good. pure aggression and Mm -hmm. pure, like, and when we talk about violent matches for the sake of being violent, I think that that's a pretty fine line. And, you know, it's not everyone's cup of tea, but I felt like the way that they spoke to each other, the way that this feud began and the way that it just grew, that the violence aspect of it was added to it. And it was not so grotesque where you wonder this is just the violent for being the sake of violent. You could tell why it was included. It wasn't and, a flaming yeah. table. It felt for no correct. No, I'm calling that right out. Like, yeah. <laughs> and maybe that's kind of the interesting thing with AEW is that when they hit it on the mark, and, and I think that's the same, the same thing with, for WWE. When they hit it on the mark, they can really hit it on the mark. And when oh, sometimes yeah. you do things that are too ridiculous, you just wonder what in the world. But this was something, too, that put not, not even just both women on the map. I think it put really made AEW stand out, um, and it really solidified the next steps for both Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa, you know, uh, Britt in her title reign, Thunder with, you know, uh, you know, formally, and that's something we didn't necessarily mention um, from Luchadora of the Year, but this was the year that we finally had Thunder Rosa all elite. You know, we did get that confirmation and this was one of the reasons why I think fans just are drawn to her and both of them. It really solidified both of their careers. I do want to jump over to Finn Balor and uh, Karrion Cross because this was the rematch. <laughs> yes. I mean, this is something that, gosh, in hindsight, you it's it's almost sad to talk about because yeah, when yeah, was released, um, you know, it was more of a shock. Uh, and in some ways, you knew what the ending of this match was going to be because there was already, you know, uh, news circulating that he was going to be called up to the main roster. And it made sense at that time to do it. But, I mean, these are two uh, of the most insane wrestlers out there for very different reasons. Not as violent and brawly as, you know, some of the other matches on this list. Uh, Much more of a traditional American wrestling match. But I think that the beauty of this is that, you know, carrying Cross, too, for his size is also agile, also has a very great submission background. And the story here was how does Finn uh, address, you know, the the strength and hard-hitting um, style of Karrion Cross and Karrion, again, more submission-based. Uh, oh, I think he was more submission-based in that Samoa Joe uh, match. Uh, or no, no, that wasn't uh, him. It was it was uh, Balor. But anyways, I just... Um, Different storytelling in this and really the height of um, carrying in um, his time in the WWE. That's true. Yeah, Yeah. this was really his highest watermark. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, so I made a note of it as soon as I saw it. Like there was like to your point, it was kind of phenomenal storytelling. It was uh, 
it was intense with so a lot of the all of these were intense but like everybody what makes them intense is different and the uh you have this one you had crosses intensity of i'm going to i'm just not going to lose uh, i don't care what you say and you had Balor's determination to win and it was this it was this struggle of of two people that were like neither of them could walk away from from this conflict in without leaving all of the, the all of that that mess behind it had to be in the mat it had to be solved and and uh so you saw a little hint of that brawly stuff but it was mostly just the uh it was hard knocks physical wrestling which is what uh is something that american fans really like and we uh, I, it was interesting to see a, a lucha guy really really do that well for an american audience i thought that was going to be his breakout moment. And yeah. Yeah. Well, everybody yeah. did, I think. Yeah. It's, it's really the nomination on this list that kind of makes you sad when you think about it, which is odd. But, yeah, you know, no, that's, it does. that's the way. I mean, we do, I, I do really want to talk about Miranda Alizé and Roxy because yes. I do feel like that <laughs> is somewhat of a dark horse in this, in the sense that this may not be one that fans think of when they think of match of the year for very different reasons you know it's on the opposite end of Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa where it wasn't violent but the stakes pure technical that's why yeah pure technical and the stakes on this were very different where Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa were fighting for pride for a sense of who was going to be the best who's going to be um again you know one of those AEW pillars this was much more of a traditional match in every sense of the word. You know, it's a finals of a tournament, you know, a technical base match. And it was for, you know, the Ring of Honor uh, Women's World Women's Championship. But also, as a note, you know, Brendan, uh, again, once again, called this out. You know, this was the match that he predicted we were going to see um, in the finals. And this was also a testament of how two different lucha or or yeah, Lucha Styles or Lucha Trained Backgrounds meet ahead. You know, Miranda Alizé um, with, you know, her years of experience. And again, I think she is really in her highest form right now um, compared to Roxy, which is very much of that Texas style training. I mean, from the reality of wrestling uh, academy with, uh, you know, a mix of of training from uh, of Booker T to Daga and Gino Medina. Yeah. And well, so but they also both did uh Mission Pro. So yeah, they and, trained yeah. with So yeah. uh kind of two different styles and two different paths coming to a head to this match and you know really one of the best women's matches in all of Ring of Honor this year. Well, if I not mean, the best, yeah. Yeah, so what I really loved about it was that this was what wrestling could be this is this is was it was a pure sport style basically it was you know just because there was no rule breaking did not mean there wasn't intensity it was but it was about uh being the better person at your craft and and both of them did moves and holds and put on basically a visual clinic of what wrestling styles can look like switching between Lucha, American, and even New Japan Strong Style uh, on a dime, and then the other one matching them. So, like, you know, from a, a technical standpoint, this is was a masterpiece that is kind of beyond the years of both of these women. And uh, that 
how can that not be something that stands out and makes you want to to say this has to be in the consideration for match of the year? I mean, let's talk not <laughs> this one. This one really took the world by storm, and that's. Uh, the Young Bucks versus the Lucha Bros. Yes. We talked about this as this is not their first rodeo. Uh, they have faced each other many, many times, but this one in a cage match felt different. And we talked about different matches, different flavors for different people. I think that for the most part, this was so well received by both Lucha and American audiences. I do feel like there's still a small population that felt like this was too much flippy shit. But outside uh, of that, I mean, like, but still, like, I don't personally feel like there's too much. You can never have too much flippy shit. No. I, me personally, uh, but I, I do think that this was the best match that they've had together ever. So I'm going to explain my my statement, my, my grunting about agree that seems to agree with the too much flippy shit stuff. I don't mind the flippy shit. I'm not, I wasn't turned off by it. I felt it got in the way of some of the storytelling in this one. I think the Young Bucks and the Lucha Bros both like to cram a lot of stuff in the ma- into their matches. And I think, uh, they could have done with about half as much and turned it into two, cause we, we know they're going to wrestle again, turned it into two different matches where we saw some of those spots. I think they, and some of that storytelling too. I think they yeah. could have done, you know, the, it uh, didn't detract from me enjoying the match, but I think I would have enjoyed the match just as much and then enjoyed the next one just as much, if that makes sense. No, very true. No, it's true. We'd seen their matchup at Double or Nothing 2019. You know, that was a big deal. Um, it opened a lot of people's eyes to the Lucha Bros. We, we all, all of us on the show, we knew about the Lucha Bros before AEW. <laughs> we all watched Lucha Underground. But a yeah. lot of American fans didn't. They didn't get El Rey. They didn't watch Lucha Underground, you know, for whatever reason. So that kind of opened a lot of more casual eyes to the Lucha Bros. But even before that, like, I believe it was five years to the day that they had this match, that they had wrestled each other for the first time in PWG. And we're seeing a lot of that PWG style coming back. Excalibur's obviously involved in AEW. Um, you know, there's some rumors about the PWG tag team belts coming in to AEW right now. Like maybe not rumors, it may be news by the time you hear this, but it's <laughs> up right now that's rumors. And uh, there's just so much going on with the history of these guys and the history that they brought to it, the the gravitas that they brought to it, and lesser hands, and, and the flippy thing. I love flippy wrestling, but I can see where in lesser hands it would have felt like too much and it would have just been a show. But these guys were able to make it a match, even if it felt a little rehearsed. I I. I feel that's more the fault of the Young Bucks. In my opinion, every Young Bucks match it's feels kind Bucks of choreographed fault. and rehearsed. Yeah. I mean, they just have that style. Like it's like a like a rock and roll touring production, not wrestling. And that's not a knock on them. I enjoy that style a lot, but we have seen the Lucha Bros do many other things and not always have a spot fest. And so I felt like yeah. 
that wasn't necessarily on them in this match. But what they did with the spots that they had were just incredible. You never got to take a breath. It was 22 minutes, and it was yep. just insane from start to finish. Yeah. And it constantly had you on the edge of your seat. It constantly had you excited. Uh, it instantly i mean before the match was even over there was chatter online you know match of the year match of the year yeah and like, it really opened a lot of people's eyes to what tag team wrestling could bring you or what it could be because even though it was a spot fest this was like an indie match this was a pwg match on pay-per-view and it was <laughs> yeah, kind of unique in that style brendan and i talked about this earlier it you know the kind of indie style of 10 years ago all of a sudden was like the match of the year contender the biggest thing going and wrestling and 10 years later you know in the present and so we've known about this for a while, but this was the match that opened a lot of people's eyes to that style that were never exposed to the indie scene, never got to see the indie scene at the time for whatever reason, just weren't aware of it. It showed how right those fans were over all those years, and it felt like a victory in a lot of ways for fans, I feel like. At least it did for me. And <laughs> when when the – Lucha Bros won those belts. It, the Young Bucks had been champions for a long time by that point. And so mm -hmm. it was nice. It was refreshing. It just felt emotionally rewarding at the it's end true. of the match. Yeah. That, that is the one thing that AEW has, has surprised me with is that they have very good long-term stellar storytelling on this kind of thing. Uh, the Kenny Omega feud that was not at all Lucha, so we haven't talked about it on the show, was long-term. Oh, this was so long -term. good, yeah. Yeah, like they did a good job with that. I so we we're talking about the Lucha Bros and we're talking about uh indie style matches. I'm going to transition over to the Lucha Bros other match that's on here yeah. and yes. how I think this is the better indie style match that we could you could have yes. been watching. <laughs> yeah, and I think that that's exactly the note as far as maybe those mm -hmm. same nuances because they were match not to say I mean like, blame the Young Bucks all you want, but just the fact that they do have a good, solid uh, understanding of uh, Lucha Libre wrestling. But this, you know, as that as, as their comprehension is, you know, B-plus level. I don't mean that with any... <laughs> B-plus is good. B-plus is good. Los gentes de aire, again, I mean, as we talked about them earlier, are a super team of individuals. And they're innovators. And, and they're innovators as well. So I they're feel like they're not just like hitting that, the greatest hits like the Bucks are. They're well, bringing I, something new to the table. Well, I do think, and maybe that's also a difference in preference. Whereas you did have a really good long-term story with the Young Bucks and Lucha Bros, Absolutely. where you were really, really cheering on the Lucha Bros to beat the Young Bucks for the you know AEW yes. Tag Team Titles. Yes. The Lucha Bros and Los Gentes de Aire were just more of a good match, and. That is maybe not not a fault, but a difference um, with especially what we've had in AAA at least this year because more inconsistent uh, availability of of shows that uh, you know the storytelling is not done long term in the sense of like actually building up stories. It's the storytelling they do in the ring, and it's mm -hmm. in the moment. But again, because everyone in this match is an incredibly talented luchador, mm -hmm. you know, you could exactly have that innovation in the ring that you don't have outside of the ring. 
with with storytelling uh, with storyline and i think that that too could be where your big difference is you were much more emotionally invested in the young bucks versus the lucha bros whereas you were just more visually captivated by lucha Absolutely. bros versus right. and the yeah, <laughs> you're you're more willing to forgive the little foibles and the emotionally invested one, but uh, because uh, the other one was all was mechanically superior, you only you don't even notice the little foibles because you're just going from beat to beat to beat. So uh, yeah, I think uh, I, I think they're both worthy nominees. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna downplay the young bucks and say they they brought dragged anything down, but uh, I definitely think that. The, the this Hinates del Aire match was just so amazing, and the only problem is that not enough people watched it, and that's the yeah. uh, that's that's the problem here that we're you know. Well, but, and it wasn't on like Triple Mania; it was on no. Heroes and Mortales, you know, yes. which made a difference too, because generally you expect this type of match from like the big show and the fact that they just pulled it out at a regular show for triple a was incredible well i mean so heroes of mortales is much akin to winter is coming for those that follow the aew reference it's not just that's a great comparison yeah it's yeah. not yeah. just another show but yeah. it's it's not one of the big pay-per-view events one of the big yeah. yearly things and yeah just just an incredible match well, there you have it, our six categories and all the nominees for our end-of-year awards. Uh, but you know what? There is one more, and this year we have added a new category uh, to our uh, lineup. And, uh, Brendan, I'm actually have Brendan, uh, discuss <laughs> this, uh, and this one will be different because, well, we're actually not gonna share the nominees. We're just gonna be sharing with you, uh, the premise <laughs> of this, and then we'll join next, next week when, uh, we just do our results. You'll get to know a little bit more background, uh, on this. But yes, Brendan, please introduce our newest category for the 2021 end of year awards. Well, listeners, particularly the listeners, the few listeners that can tuned into our uh, live stream coverage last year of a triple A event <laughs> are aware that we think that cookie sheets and wrestling are some of the most fun and ridiculous, uh, you know, to, to make the argument, why the heck is there a cookie sheet underneath the ring? Like, exactly. I don't, <laughs> <but>. <laughs> You do not need it to assemble a ring. Spoiler you, alert. You no. no cookie sheets are needed to actually the, put a ring together. The timekeeper doesn't need it. The 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 wrestlers only sort of need it. Uh, I mean, like it's just it's it's but it's ridiculous and it's fun, and so that is it's kind of the embodiment of this award. So we're gonna it, unlike the others, we're not gonna have a category and debate it uh, on the air, but we have. The Cookie Sheet Award, where we're going to give the most ridiculous but fun moment of the year uh, the recognition it deserves, <laughs> and uh, maybe even a cookie sheet in the future. Who knows? But, yeah, that so there it is. The Cookie Sheet Award, the most ridiculous but fun uh, moment of the year. And as we mentioned, well, we've given you the award categories. We've given you the nominees. And... Next week, we are going to give you all of the winners. 
So uh, thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast. Again, don't forget to check out LuchaCentral.com, your place and your centralized place for all things Lucha Libre. Don't forget to follow Lucha Central on social media at Lucha Central on Facebook and Instagram and at LuchaCentral.com on Twitter. Of course, follow us on social media. Dusty, let us know where our listeners can find you. I am on Instagram at Dusty Murphy, and I am on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Dusty Murphy. And Brendan, where can our listeners find you? I am 321 T-Shirt Guy. That's the numbers, 321, and then T-Shirt Guy is all spelled out. I am on Facebook, I am on Instagram, and I'm all over the Twitters. And me, Miranda Morales. You can find me at the hashtag Miranda, hashtag spelled out on Instagram and Facebook, no Twitter. Of course, if you are listening to this show on your favorite podcast streaming platform like Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Podbay, Speaker, and much, much more, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Subscribe and get a notification every time a new episode of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast drops. Leave us a five-star rating and Give us a review. Let us know your thoughts, especially this week. If you agree with our nominees, if you don't, if there's anyone we missed, if there's anyone. Please tell us. Yes, yes. Yeah. We'd love to get that feedback. We'd love to know uh, your guys' thoughts on, well, where we're at with our awards. We always try to take into account what everybody's thinking on this, which sometimes gives us a little bit of of brain freeze. So, you know, tell us what you're thinking Mm -hmm. and. Then we don't have to think. Wait. Yes. <laughs> and so again, next week our results are uh oh the winners of each of these categories will be announced. So please, please stay tuned for Brendan Barr and Dusty Murphy. I'm Miranda Morales. Thank you all so much, and we will be back with you next week. Why should you visit thechairshot.com? Thechairshot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. Hey, everyone. It's Denise Salcedo here in Lucha Central Central with a reminder of where and when to catch all of the great network content this week. Get the full lineup and listen to all of our shows in the podcast network section of LuchaCentral.com. On Tuesdays, Mass, Mats, and Mayhem takes you inside the world of Lucha Underground as they take you weekly through the series with the benefit of hindsight and the benefit of special guests from the groundbreaking series. Check out the premiere video stream every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Lucha Central YouTube channel and at LuchaCentral.com. Then listen to it on your favorite podcast platform every Wednesday. Tuesday nights live at WrestleBoss, where Fabi Chulo talks MMA and pro wrestling with special guests and listener Collins. Visit WrestleBossLive.com Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. Pacific to listen live or call in with questions or download the show on podcast platforms on Wednesdays. Wednesday nights live on Facebook, it's Spanish show La Mesa de los Margaros, giving you both the news and the cheese made from around the lucha world. Special guests and a whole lot of fun make it one of the most talked about shows in Mexico. Thursdays, it's straight out of the bodega with Papo Esco and PWR promoter Gabriel Ramirez as they have guests from throughout the wrestling world pull up to give an inside look into their careers. 
From indie standouts to television superstars, each week brings a new name and perspective. On Friday, it's your double dose of Lucha Central Weekly Podcast. One in English y el otro en Español. Lucha Central Weekly is where you'll find all the top stories of the week, both inside and out of the ring from Mexico and anywhere luchadores are in action across the globe. Be sure to subscribe and follow all your favorite Lucha Central Network series on your favorite podcast platforms, either by their own series name or subscribe to the Lucha Central Podcast Network show pages to get all of the shows in one easy feed. And please consider giving a rating to help more fans find the shows that you love. For now, this is Denise Salcedo signing off from Lucha Central Central. Have a great week. Lucha-Masks.com by Pro Wrestling Revolution. Bringing you, in partnership with Mask Republic, the Lucha Brothers, as well as Japanese legend Ultimo Dragon. Go to Lucha-Masks.com and fight Lucha Strong with masks from your favorite Lucha Legends and Pro Wrestling Revolution Luchadores. Stay safe in style and represent your favorite Luchador. Get yours now at Lucha-Masks.com, powered by Pro Wrestling Revolution. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast. This is the podcast that lets you know all of the latest and greatest happening in the world of lucha libre yes the lucha central weekly podcast is back for the second part of our end of year awards this is miranda morales and of course you know what time it is i'm being joined by the rest of the trio introducing first it is the dashing one mr dusty murphy dusty how are you i am doing fantastic how are you doing miranda I'm doing great, very excited to go over the results of our end-of-year awards, but we cannot do that without the third member of our team, and that's who? 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 It's the one and only Brendan Barr. That's it. Hey, hey. Yes. This is, I'm looking ahead. This is really exciting. We've got, this, this came out really cool, you guys. Yeah, yeah it did. <laughs> Uh, before we get to it, of course, the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast is power, part of the Lucha Central Podcast Network on LuchaCentral.com. We are also streamed through your favorite podcast streaming platform, including iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Podbay, Speaker, and more. And, of course, a shout-out to our streaming partners over at TheChairShot.com. And if you were with us last week, well, we went over our nominees and categories for our end of year awards, our second annual for 2021. And in there, we explained really all of, of the uh, categories that we had, the nominees, why uh, we nominated them. Uh, any notable missing people, uh, our critiques, feedback, and more. So if you want to catch up, please make sure to check out last week's episode that is available on LuchaCentral.com, TheChairShot.com, as well as your favorite podcast streaming platform. This week, well, it's the results. It's what you want to know. This is what you came here for, and that is to know who are the winners of our different categories. Before we get into it, though, a little bit about our structure. One, uh, and we did talk about this last time, but just as a premise and a reminder, this is just our opinions. 
you know, this is us as a trio making um, our thoughts on what was the best in these categories in the world of Lucha Libre. If you don't agree with it, let us know on social media. I'm going to change this up a bit. We usually say this at the end of the show, but I'm going to jump to it at the beginning because, you know, you may not agree with what our nominees are as well as the winners. So please reach out to us on social media. Dusty, where can our listeners find you on social media? I am on Facebook at facebook.com slash Dusty Murphy, and I am on Instagram at Dusty Murphy. And Brendan, where can our listeners find you? I am 321 T-Shirt Guy. That's the number 321 T-Shirt Guy is all spelled out. I am on Facebook, I'm on Instagram, and I'm all over the Twitters. And me, Miranda Morales, you can find me at the hashtag Miranda, hashtag spelled out on Instagram and Facebook. So... If as we are going through these categories, again, we will go over the nominees and then we will provide uh, the winners of these categories. If you agree, disagree, think we missed anyone, please reach out to us on social media. We'd love to hear your thoughts with the voting. And as we start into our first category, uh, the structure as far as how we're going to announce these is that we do have a third place, second place and first place based off of how we individually uh, voted. Um, some categories do have a um, honorable mention. Uh, not all, but some. And so that's just the way that the cookie crumbled here. But this is, again, our you know individual uh, thoughts were put into this as well as the collective. So uh, this will be very interesting as we discuss you know, who won and who were in our top three, as well as any honorable mentions. And again, follow along. Make sure you reach out to us on social media about your thoughts on our winners for our end of year awards. So up first, we have our rising star of the year. This is a category dedicated to someone in 2021 who we feel is a rising star, someone that we hope to see more of in the next year, someone who we believe had such a phenomenal year of talent that it's noted, uh, it makes them a noteworthy individual to have, uh, as, you know, someone to keep your eyes out in the world of Lucha Libre. Our nominees for this category were Danny Limelight, Aramis, Eddie's, Mr. Iguana, and Roxy. So if I'm reading this right, looking at these <laughs> category telephone system, uh, our third place um, runner, our third place person, Luchador, um, in this category is Mr. Iguana, who, again, this is our first two-time person in this category. Um, and someone we've noted as having a phenomenal year within um, the the independent scene, making a big splash here in the U.S. Our second, our runner-up, second place winner in this category is Ring of Honor World Women's Champion Roxy, and your number one, the rising star of 2021 is Danny Limelight. So, guys, I want to get your thoughts on this. Uh, I'm going to start off with Dusty. Um, how did you think, you know, things fell through in this category? Mr. Iguana, number three, Roxy, number two, and uh, Danny Limelight, number one. 
Honestly, this is the way I kind of expected it to shake out. Uh, Danny <laughs> Limelight just had such a phenomenal year that yes. you could, nobody else can touch it. I mean, his yeah. year was beyond. At Roxy, I mean, she really did have the second best year out of everybody, you know, compared to, I mean, next to Danny Limelight, second best. And then I think Mr. Iguana, truly, you know, number three, he did not have the TV exposure and the, you know, more major exposure that they had that would have vaulted him into a higher position. But for what he had, he made the best, you know, I mean, like he made the best of everything, made the most recognition out of what he had. And so on an indie level, he did better than anybody else. I think that's kind of the perfect lineup for it. What did you think, Brendan? I mean, you know, you could quibble over Danny Limelight and Roxy, but we all kind of knew that it was going to be the the three we got as much as uh aramis and aries are fantastic nominees and and uh they just did not have any have the momentum compared to the to the other three so uh and i think with the big difference with roxy and any limelight championships where Mm -hmm. i think the one of the deciding factors is both became champions uh in their respective promotions um, I do think maybe Danny was just more of a broader reach and spectrum um, with, you know, his work in AEW, the transition to MLW um, being really all over the place. I think that that uh, visibility helped a little bit more where Roxy, you know, her big uh, she was really all over the independence, but her growth was really just within um, Ring of Honor in a very notable area of the women's division, which is something that. You know, Ring of Honor relaunched and rebranded this year. So I think the, what made them outstanding and what I think helped them in that category was becoming champions uh, this year. Definitely. I mean, we yeah. talked about that with the nomination. Like, Roxy had more tangible momentum as a result of getting that, that championship. Uh, I mean, she's going to be doing a title versus title match in theory with Diana Perazzo. So. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that's yeah. that that's momentum that is is uh, visible and, and notable. Mm-hmm. And it, uh, it's important to note that it, a lot of the time championships being put on someone is a sign of the company believing in that person. Yeah. So that's it's, you know, or, sorry, that's if that's pulling back the curtain too much for some listeners, I'm sorry. But uh, that's uh, no, but know. I do. Yeah, I do think that's just an honest <laughs> statement about any time a championship is. Uh, you know, is one um, in any area it is the belief that a company believes in someone to even put them in a position to compete for a championship. Yes. So absolutely, very very true. So congratulations to Danny Limelight for winning our Rising Star of the Year. Uh, you know, he may he may have been on the independent scene for some time, uh, not that long. If you actually listen to our uh, interview with Danny Limelight, that is available now on LuchaCentral.com and all major podcast streaming floor, forms. You could uh, easily look us up on Spotify at Lucha Central uh, Podcast Network and find that. He talks about his experience and rise coming into professional wrestling um and really being able to go full time as of this year so i think that also was a difference maker um for him yep. is being able to transition full time into wrestling but um great categories i do think we're going to be talking more about Otomies and eddies in 2022 Absolutely. as we 
heard about uh, Lucha Underground, I'm not Lucha, Azteca Underground, now having their own standalone show with MLW and them being part of already some initial storyline with uh, Cesar Duran uh, and them constantly having consistently good matches in MLW. I feel like we'll talk uh, about them again in 2022. Uh, but again, the uh, category lineup or the winners for our Rising Star of the Year, third place, Mr. Iguana, second place, Roxy, and first place, Danny Limelight. Brendan, go ahead and take it away with our next category. Oh, well, as we talked about, the next one is Trio of the Year. And uh, we had five solid nominees. We had NGD, Nueva Generation Dinamita, La Empresa, Legado del Fantasma, Poder del Norte, and The Infernals. Uh, this one did have an honorable mention. Uh, Poder del Norte did get the honorable mention on here. Uh, then our third place winner was Legato del Fantasma. And so, so here's the story. Everybody that heard our arguing about it kind of could figure that they, it was going to come down to NGD or La Impresa. So, uh, we're going to just, I'm just going to set the stage here. And so our first place winner is La Impresa, leaving NGD in second place. Uh, I don't know. How do you guys feel how this one sh- shook up? I, I agree with what you said. I think between NGD and La Impresa, that one, you know, those were our top two trios um, yeah. that we talked about. Very similar, mm-hmm. I think, with their presence and um, just how how kind of unconventional they are as a trio, um, but how well it works. And I think the crossover appeal was what made them stand out the most compared to the other trios. I am a little surprised that Legato got as many votes from what we were talking about that, (laughs) you know, really they were nominated by purely surviving, you know, NXT in 2021. Um, But I am glad that they got this recognition um, because they are truly one of the only trios in all of WWE. And to have that and have that presence in such a big market um, is, you know, it's a noteworthy thing. And I'm glad that they we recognize that. For me, the thing that made La Empresa number one in this voting and in the year was that they are three guys like Nuevo Generacion Dinamita. That's a trio. They are a team. But something about La Empresa being three very distinct, very different people, very distinct, very different personalities coming together and working together, three guys at the top of their game and very different ways, different styles, something about that cohesion that comes together between the three of them when that's all their styles coalesce into one thing made them just beyond any other trio to me. If Legato del Fantasma had been new this year, I think they'd have done better, but I think part of what made La Empresa so exciting and so important was that they are new, and it's just a... This was one of our closest votes also between yeah. La Empresa yeah. and Nuevo Generation. Very close, Dina very Vita. close. But I just feel like being a new trio gave them the edge in this matchup this year. Well, you touched on the, the critical difference for me. Uh, NGD is a true, authentic trio, whereas La Empresa is a collection. So I, I'm a little surprised that the collection actually came out on top. 
but I'm not shocked or, or appalled or anything. They, they did, to your point, and what we talked about last week is they did draw the attention. They drew all the eyes. They did everything they're supposed to do. Sam Adonis is such a consummate professional. He makes Absolutely. them hard to not talk about. So, I mean, it does not shock me at all. I just, uh, for me, the difference really in, in the way that my mindset was that who was the trio and who was the, uh, who's the sensation. So. True. Well, there you have it, uh, for our trios of the year. Again, notable mention or honorable mention, Poder del Norte, uh, third place, Legado de Fantasma. NGD in second place and first place your winner La Empresa. Dusty, our third category. Yeah, third category. If you remember from last week, it was tag team of the year. And the rundown was we had Lucha Bros, we had Los Genetes del Are, we had Slice Boogie and Danny Limelight as the MLW LAX team. We had LFI with Dragon Lee and Kenny King. And Los Parks from MLW. And our first runner-up, or our, our honorable mention, rather, apologize. Our yeah. honorable mention was LFI with Dragon Lee and Kenny King. Third place was Los Genetes del Are. Second place was Slice Boogie and Danny Limelight. And first place this year was Pentagon and Phoenix, the Lucha Bros. I I have to, I mean, like, I, I feel like we all knew that the Lucha Bros were going to be number one this year. They had such a big year. They did it all over. They had a big AAA year. They had a big AEW year. It was just really their year. And after such a notable absence last year, it felt like we needed them this year in a way. And it was, we mentioned it last week, it was emotionally rewarding to see them win the titles. That yeah something that we had wanted for a long time in AEW and it felt like a recognition of them and a recognition of Lucha Libre as a whole to the American audience and kind of a tacit approval and kind of this is a cool thing from AEW towards Lucha Libre and we got to see that play out and it was because of the Lucha Bros and for me that gave them the edge what did you think Miranda yeah, it's hard to argue against that. If you listen to last week's episode regarding our candidates for match of the year, they're <laughs> there a few times uh, because it really felt like everything came together for them this year. And they were really just outstanding as a tag team in both AEW and in AAA. And having that consistency between both of those promotions was great. And I just felt like they came into their own and, of course, still providing amazing matches um, and being in a storylines that you could be invested in. Um, the fact that they seem to be the antidote for what uh, the Young Bucks brought and how annoying they were, too. <laughs> I think that just is icing on the uh, cake there, but not yes. not surprised. I do have to say I was a bit surprised in the voting for Slice and Danny. Um, I know that Danny in of himself was just, you know, number one um, for our rising star of the year, but as a tag team, you know, between him and Slice was a lot more centralized to the West Coast up until just most recently when we saw them win the MLW tag team titles. 
But I do think that them being part of that larger collective of 5150 um, yes. really is that platform that they need or that really help with their visibility. And especially more established teams like LFI, Los Parks, Los Gientes de Aire, to have them come up in, in second was a surprise to me. Um. I feel like we're we're to a couple of things on this. One is the consistency. We we uh Danny was the rising star so he's already in our 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 mind, but we all without going into too much detail, we all agreed that they were that that was a team that was was worth voting on. Yeah. And and uh, yes. that's kind of how that happened. Is we all said, "Yes, this is a team that's worth is noteworthy this year." Um whether it's based on you know, Danny or the titles or the fact that Conan is putting them over right. on, uh, you know, let's, we can't undersell that. Conan is yeah, talking Conan about them too. Being their, yeah, mm-hmm. being their mouthpiece <laughs> and kind of leader, like, that's a yeah. big deal. And for Conan to kind of, if you go back to our interview with, with Danny Rivera, he mentions that part of what they, the reason he signed with MLW instead of AEW is they said, our plan is to reform LAX. We're going to put you with Conan. And you're going to be our singles guy of the faction. I mean, that is so cool. And the fact that he yeah. gets all of that makes him important. And it makes the tag team feel more mm-hmm. important because yeah. Danny is an important guy. Yeah. And even, again, too, just having that visibility for Slice. You know, we haven't talked a lot Absolutely. about him. but Yeah, him, he's him, amazing, too. Yeah, yeah. him <laughs> and, and Slice both featured on New Japan. Um, Slice is much more of the bigger guy. Uh, and so he's more of that powerhouse of the entire stable. Um, and I think having that balance as a tag team, they work super well together. As I mentioned, uh, are you the United Wrestling Network tag team champions? So if you see United Wrestling Network like championship wrestling from Hollywood, I know that expanded to, uh, to Atlanta. I know that is expanding out and they are working more as a tag team. Uh, PCW Ultra is also, I mean, um, pretty notable. Uh, They're a faction over yeah. there because they've yeah. added other West Coast Puerto Ricans to be a faction in PCW. So, well, yeah, they they, they would pop up, you know, and that's yeah. also a beautiful thing too. The fact that they are kind of interwoven between their own group. Um, with Papo, with Ruby Rays, with 5150, they're, yeah. they're a tag team. Danny's his own thing. Slice is his own guy too. So the fact that that's very interwoven and very seamless, that depending on where they are, they can be together, but they can compete independently. That's kind of the beauty of this as well. And yep. why, um, and it's almost very similar to Los Gentes de Aire, where individually they are strong, but together they are, you know, fantastic. Yeah. And so there's very similar shades that I see of them with Los Gentes de Aire. Mm, I agree. I agree. Uh, and that's the one that surprised me is that they actually came out just a little ahead in the voting of, of Los Gentes. Uh, yeah. And it's, uh, you know, I was I, I was shocked, not for a second, but not that surprised because, like we talked about, they had the momentum. But. You're right. They're both very similar teams and, and, uh, they're both very similar factions where they're, they're both, we're kind of just waiting for them to explode. So just a little bit of the momentum. I think Conan and some, some gold gives them, at the end of the year, gives them momentum going into next year as opposed yeah. to, 
the their the Les Genetes match was at the beginning of the year, and a lot of the the excitement other than Vic right. about them was more towards the beginning of the year. So well, and I feel like that kind of affects their going into the futures because he's obviously going to be focusing on the singles thing right now and won't be working with i, I don't know Stellari, probably as much at least yeah very yeah. make a champion why would he yeah care about exactly that? <laughs> so it yeah i mean that that affects things too i mean i feel like he not that he was the sole excitement from that but i feel like a lot of their popularity carried over from mm-hmm. Vikingo, and just without his Genesequa and the blend, it's not quite the same. And so I think that definitely gives Slice and Danny the edge there. Very true. Well, there you have it for our tag team of the year. Again, an honorable mention goes to LFI, Dragon Lee, and Kenny King. In third place, Los Genedes de Aire. Second place, Slice Boogie and Danny Limelight. And first place, your winners of this category, the Lucha Bros. Well, you know, we are very proud to be part of the Lucha Central Podcast Network, where you can find this show and others like our sister show, the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast Spanish Edition on the network. But, you know, at LuchaCentral.com. But you know what? There's a so, so much more that you can find on LuchaCentral.com. Brendan, can you let our listeners know what else they can find? Well, I can do that. And I absolutely can do that. There's another thing that we were talking about doing. Is this the time that I should do that? Or should I just go read the thing and then we can do that other thing in a second? Well, yeah. Well, let's do this thing first and the other thing second. Okay. Uh, okay. Let's do that. So many things to do, you guys. <laughs> so if you're listening to this, including all of our show planning in the middle of the show, uh, and you haven't visited Lucha Central. We'll do it live. <laughs> it's time to do it. LuchaCentral.com is your online home for Lucha Libre, where you can get all of the top news in English and in Spanish. Find the best curated video content and original content not seen anywhere else. Find when Lucha Libre events would be happening in your area. Find photo galleries from top photographers covering Lucha Libre around the world. A place to have your voices heard from weekly polls to annual awards seen and read by top executives in all of the major Lucha Libre promotions across the globe. And guess what, folks? It's still free. LuchaCentral.com, your centralized place for all things Lucha Libre. Before we do that other thing, I do <laughs> want to plug, as we talked about last time, uh, Expo Lucha coming up uh, June 11th and 12th in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Right now, they have uh, ticket bundles that are only $60, so two days of Expo. Uh, essentially, that's only $30 plus uh, per day. Um, and again, you have live shows, you get art exhibits, you have uh, panels, you'll have so much happening at Expo Lucha this year. As we teased in the last show, Expo Lucha could be a game changer in the way that we do these awards next year. Um, we may get some amazing matches. Uh, we may get some uh, top contenders for categories just by simply the events that are going to happen at Expo Lucha. So make sure to visit ExpoLucha.com. 
You can also follow Expo Lucha on social media, Expo Lucha Live on Instagram, and you can find information on tickets as well as match and talent announcements. Already announced for Expo Lucha, Laredo Kid versus Dragon Lee. Something that I certainly would imagine we're going to talk about. You guys uh, have uh, both been nominated in this very show, so. Yes. Yeah. Uh, also, we have a tag team match, Damian 666 and Black Taurus versus Ecosis and a Luchador Sorpresa, surprise Luchador, that will be uh, part of that if you... It's totally not Vikingo. <laughs> <laughs> Look at the picture, you guys. Just go to and Expo who they Lucha. tagged. Yes, they, Expo they also Lucha Live. In the photo. <laughs> Expo Lucha Live on Instagram. You'll see what we mean. Super Crazy versus Ultimo Dragon also announced. And then a lot of talent announcements, including uh, Gringo Loco, the current NWA World Tag Team Champions, Bestia666, and Make-A-Wolf, Super Crazy, Super Astro Jr., Mr. Iguana, Pirata Morgan, Juventu Carrera, Aris, Lady Maravilla, Ario Boy, uh, Solar, Tinables Jr., uh, so, so much more that will be announced over the next few months for Expo Lucha. You just gotta make your way to it. It's early enough in the year where you can start making plans for June. Again, yeah. June 11th, June 12th, the 2300 Arena, Philly, baby. Philly. Uh, I just wanna, since we talked a little bit about things that happened last time, you mentioned the art exhibits. One cool thing that we got one of the years, and I we may get something like this again, is they had the designer of Rey Mysterio's outfits who did – he basically put ever like a past, present, and even gave us a little tease of some of his future outfits uh, all on display. You could go up. You could touch him. You could look at the fine detail on it. You could talk to him about the design process that he had in mind when he was doing it. It was a fantastic, fantastic display, well worth your time. Uh, so that's the quality of kind of art events that you're going to get. It's not just like me in the corner making stickers, which I'll probably be doing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so excited for, for Expo Lucha. I cannot wait. I know, you know, Christmas is one thing, but Expo Lucha is its own thing you wait all year for. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, Brendan. In the spirit of having fun and something <laughs> that we talked about last episode, we did have a new category introduced for this year's awards, one that you had a very big hand in introducing. So please, <laughs> let we would love to uh, add it in this part of the show, our yeah. new category for this year and the winner of the category. Yeah, so we decided to not have a whole bunch of nominees because it's really about one kind of classic moment that we all agreed on on this. This is the cookie sheet of the year, the cookie sheet award, not cookie sheet of the year. That would be silly. Uh, but that is the point of this. It is the most, it's a ridiculous, silly, fun moment that happened throughout the year. And we had two really strong ones. So I'm just going to go ahead and, and mention them both because, uh, they they they're both kind of they're both super appropriate and they're both kind of related to each other uh in, in that they're both WWE not knowing what to do with luchadors uh, <laughs> so, <Brissa! laughs> so 
One is Drew Gulak uh, losing a match and getting a rose in his his backside from uh, the uh, the Lothario. uh, what is his WWE name? I Angel Garza. It's I Angel think he's just Garza. Angel now. Yeah, I'm just Angel. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's always Garza Junior to me. He's right. <laughs> I, I started to say Garza Junior, and I was like, oh wait, no, he's it's WWE. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, the other one was John Morrison being eaten by zombies. <laughs> 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 like, I did. I, both of these. For a things. second, you were like, "Wait, did they do this in Lucha Underground? Is this a Lucha Underground story right? that they just like didn't oh. actually think it would have been cool to be in Lucha Underground story?" It would it would have been a lot less cringy if it was a Lucha <laughs> Underground story. That's they ate the Miz too. So Johnny Drip Drip, America's most want, mo- moist wanted, only served <laughs> to wet their appetite. Oh my god. <laughs> You've been sitting on that one, haven't you? Yeah. I have. <laughs> I thought of it when we were talking about this earlier, and I was like, mm, I'm going to pull that out. So good. Um, oh, So there it is. And this moment of us just generally laughing is what this award is all about. It's just a ridiculous and fun moment that will happen in Lucha Libre. Uh, if you out there are listening and you, you think you see one during the course of the year, just fire it away at us. Cause you know, we love these things. Even if we don't mention it on the show, we're going to watch it and we're going to giggle. I guarantee. Yeah. <laughs> I love the fun ones. Yes. And, uh, well, we'll just see what happens when uh, we do this category next year. <laughs> I'm going to. Go on out out on a limb and say it's probably a WWE moment again, but you know. <laughs> well, let us know too your guys' thoughts on the Cookie Shoot Award. Is there <laughs> something that we missed? Is there an event that you think we should have nominated or discussed more? You know, hey, just uh, let us know on social media your thoughts on the Cookie Shoot Award, <laughs> and yeah. Shoving a rose up some guy's ass is just... <laughs> it's a weird moment. It's weird, you guys. It's, it's weird. weird. You thought Only that... Wrestling. Wrestling. <laughs> like, Steve Austin hitting people with a bedpan has nothing on a rose in the ass. Just sands. <laughs> All right, back to our <laughs> category. There's, I can't transition. I I pride myself in being a transitioner that like can transition from things smoothly. I couldn't. I just couldn't. (laughs) It's just too ridiculous. Too much. Too much. (laughs) Uh, All right. So we are now in the second half of our nominees and we have Luchadora of the Year. In this category nominated was Raquel Gonzalez from NXT. Uh, Miranda Alizé from Ring of Honor and across the independents. Thunder Rosa, AEW, Mission Pro Wrestling, and La Mera Mera, really all of the independents. Veronesa uh, and Ring of Honor World Women's, Women's World Champion, Rock C. So our honorable mention for this category was Baronessa. Third place, we had Rock C. Second place, Raquel Gonzalez. And first place, Thunder Rosa. 
And I think as we've talked about these categories, you know, not super surprising with how uh, the voting played out on this. But I want to get your guys' thoughts before jumping in. Uh, Dusty, Brendan, is this what you thought we were going to get for Luchadora of the Year? I pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I pretty much expected Thunder Rosa. I mean, she's to the point that was made last week was she's not really Luchadora of the year. She's kind of wrestler of the year. She's the most visible face in, in wrestling right now. I mean, she's just all over the place. Um, yeah, it was, uh, that was not that big of a surprise to me. It, I am, uh, despite the fact that we talked more about Baronessa in the, the last week's episode than any of the other women, but, uh, which I think is how she got into that honorable mention. I'm not thinking somebody who talked themselves into, uh, some voting. There. And that's very, yeah. and again, that's very <laughs> fair as well. Uh, again, someone who's making, you know, really initiating her U.S. presence, um, and someone who in the ring is, really talented um i saw it firsthand myself and uh just her look as well um someone that i think too really outside of miranda alizé the only masked luchadora on this list um and that too i think lends itself to um you know um to to something that's very unique um i know too i guess we we kind of talked not necessarily talked a lot about this, but, you know, as far as people that we didn't see on this list is, you know, a lot of the luchadoras from AAA. Um, and I think that was just something that, you know, based off of having more trios matches and not having a lot of singles matches on here mm-hmm. was something um, that, you know. Uh, yeah. Also m- notably missing the CMLL women who uh, just a lot of the time they weren't doing matches in the mm-hmm. early part of this year. And then they finally started doing some tournaments, but, uh, nobody really stands out, uh, except for sometimes Dallas stands out in that she does. It's obvious. She didn't, doesn't really want to lose even when she has to. So, um, it's hard. It was, it's hard to put a nom- nominee yeah. out there like that. They yeah. all had solid years, but they all had very, Steady years. Yeah. Another name, too, that we again, this is more of a recent development and tied to Roxy is Diana Prazzo. She is the AAA Reina de Reina's champion, but has not defended the title yet. <laughs> um, so that, too, is something that even though she is ranked one of the, you know, in one of the, the world's best, you know, wrestlers, period. You know, but also just her, her presence um, in, in women's wrestling was someone that until I think we see more of her in uh, AAA, you know, was kind of left out of this category. But Thunder Rosa, I completely uh, agree with that. She still continued when you I think for Thunder Rosa is how does she beat what she was able to do last year? And I think it was continuing that plus more. Um, and I think that that is really why she stood out as number one this year. A close second, you know, um, was Raquel Gonzalez, who really reached the pinnacle of, of her career, both by, um, winning the, the inaugural Dusty, uh, tag team, uh, cup on the women's side, 
becoming NXT tag team, tag team, women's tag team titles uh, champions for even just, you know, a night. And then ultimately her, her rise to become NXT women's champion. I think all of that within the NXT system is so notable, uh, for, for her. And of course, Roxy, as we talked about last show, I mean, becoming the youngest, you know, ROH women's champion at 19 having a whole career ahead of her and already reaching such a high achievement, being a constant presence uh, throughout the independent scene, defending that belt uh, across independent promotions. And that may be the one thing that helps keep the name of Ring of Honor afloat really over, you know, the next few months is we will see her um, all, you know, continuing her work throughout the independent scene and a possibly looming champ, you know, uh, person woman takes all match between her and Deanna Pratt so you know will they won't they type of thing yeah uh, she's just going to be we're going to talk about her a lot regardless she you know yeah. we can't you know, as as Taya proved we can't always guarantee what's going to happen but I mean even by Taya not being on the list for nominees this year, we still end up talking about her, so I feel like Roxy's going to have that same energy for a few years. I agree. I think that, especially because she's so young, that she's going to be almost ever-present in a way, and I hope that it doesn't lead to like people kind of taking it for granted that she's around because she started so young and she's so good. I hope that carries over that that velocity she's got right now kind of carries her on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. And there you have it for Luchadora of the Year with honorable mention going to Baronessa, third place Roxy, second place Raquel Gonzalez, and first place your winner, Thunder Rosa. Uh, Brendan, take it away with our next category. Well, this is the much like the last category, only this is for Luchador of the Year. Uh, we had five nominees, so let's just go over those real quick. We had Io del Velkingo, Ares, L.A. Park, Laredo Kid, and Roosh. Uh, this one, we... <sighs> Oh, okay. I'm going to go over some of, we had, the, the results on this one were super interesting, the way that they actually spelled out. But so we have two honorable mentions with Aries and LA Park both receiving a nod that they, they, uh, deserve to be mentioned. And then we had Roosh in at, uh, third place, Laredo Kid and in second and to no one's surprise, I'm listening to this. Yo Del Vikingo came in first. And really, I feel like, uh, so first off, we, without going into too much detail, we have a way of tabulating the, the votes. And everyone that voted on this agreed that Yo Del Vikingo was Luchador of the Year. There was no questioning he was the top voter by any means. Absolutely. Uh, it was unanimous that he was <laughs> Luchador of the Year. Yeah. yeah. Uh so that that they really the, the voting kind of really became about who else was going to get get uh the some recognition out of this. And as it turns out, we were all quite divided. It shows just how even the rest of the field was if it weren't for the fact that you had this one crazy guy who'd been we'd been waiting for 
and had a had a match that was potentially going to be match of the year pulled out from under the rug on him and still had an amazing mm-hmm. match to win to win that uh that title. So um you, know, you guys go ahead fill in your thoughts here. I think that the title match, if he had gotten that Kenny Omega match that Vikingo, it would have sealed the deal on him. I think he would have been instant legend. But he's still a very young guy. And so it's not necessarily a bad thing that we didn't get that match. As we see, he's still Luchador of the Year. He's still the person I think has the most promise of any wrestler, any country in the world next year to become, to blow up and be the guy, to go from like obscurity to the guy. Not that he's obscure, but he's not as well known in America. I think that next year he will be. I think he's going to be a very big deal. And as much as we picked him of Luchador of the Year this year, I feel like he it also sets him up for Luchador of the Year next year in a big way because he's one of very few people that can deliver on the promise. And his promise isn't even as big as his delivery. And so that is so exciting with the Odell Vikingo. And I, I just don't think anybody can touch him this year. I'm not, not sure anybody nation or internationally anywhere can touch him. I, I yeah. mean, that is, he's kind of the big story in most of the, mm-hmm. you know, for yeah. sure. I mean, I think in second, or the second place is really the only person who really can in that international reach. And yes. that's currently Laredo Kid. Um, because I think Laredo Kid was in that spot last year when he actually got that rub from Kenny Omega in that championship match. And Laredo Kid is, as you know, I had mentioned too, still having that, you know, U.S. presence still being mixed. You know, last year as well, he was, um, you know, briefly with MLW. This year, he he's been making appearances in Impact. Um, still someone who's very active in the independent scene as well. So I feel like, you know, Laredo Kid has been in those shoes as Ijo de Vikingo, but I think Ijo's growth and popularity has just reached new heights in a shorter amount of time and again eholes have has gotten this as internationally just by word of mouth without stepping foot in the u.s um whereas everybody else on this list has had some you know u.s presence this year um so i think that too speaks you know layers uh to where everyone is in their career i think you know with roosh um, there could have been more if we, you know, there was just a, you know, the challenges with injury, with Ring of Honor. But again, I think it is that recognition of being the world champion, um, in Ring of Honor, being that person in Ring of Honor as a luchador, um, is still such a, a big, you know, uh, a big deal. And I think the family dynamic too is very hard to, uh, to not be able to acknowledge. So I think for Roosh is more of what could have been. Um, and, and and again, it's not necessarily sad, but I think it's just more that, you know, it could have, it could have been a different story for Roosh, um, in this category, but I don't know if he would have been able to be Eho. Well, that's just it. So if you eliminate Eho from the whole thing, say that just didn't happen, Roosh and Laredo Kid had would probably have been the two biggest names that we were talking about for Luchador of the Year because they were on pace from 2020. But um, you know, some that's that's why they have to they play the games in sports because just because you know it's predicted, you can predict 
pretty accurately doesn't mean that you can get it right all the time and we uh but on the other side of that we knew eo was big and we knew he was going to be big at some point it was a question of when not if so yes here we go 100 percent. you know well uh listeners that is our luchador of the year category again honorable mentions went both to Adis and uh la park in third place we had roosh Second place, Laredo Kid, and first place with a perfect score, or as those of us who play Mortal Kombat know, <laughs> fatality. <laughs> uh, that would be maybe not a perfect score in fatality. That's just like the landing blow. Forget uh, yeah. flawless victory is a perfect yeah. flawless. There it flawless is. Flawless victory, yes. yes. It's Ijo de Vikingo, your current AAA Mega Campeon. And last but not least, we have our final category. Dusty, please introduce it. Yeah, our final category, match of the year. And we mentioned it last week. All the matches involved kind of raves the bar a little. But I feel like our choices especially showed which ones raised the bar. I'll run them down. Uh, the choices for this year, the the contenders were Lucha Bros versus Los Anates de la from AAA Heroes and Mortales, Roxy versus Miranda Lise from Death Before Dishonor, Ring of Honor, um, Balor versus Karrion Cross 2 from WWE's NXT Weekly Show, Young Bucks versus Lucha Bros from AEW All Out 2021, and Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa Lights Out match AEW St. Patrick's Day Slam. And our third place, we actually had a tie for third place between Roxy and Miranda Lays from Death, Lise, sorry, from Death Before Dishonor and the Lucha Bros versus Los Inites Del Are from Heroes Immortales tied for third. Second place was Young Bucks versus Lucha Bros from All Out. And our first place was Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa in the Lights Out match from AEW St. Patrick's Day Slam. I feel like that after the conversation we had last week, it was kind of obvious that the number one match had to be Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa. In terms of impact worldwide, in terms of changing the game, in terms of cementing somebody as a top caliber talent, this match did so much for both Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa. They were names and they were obviously like highlights in women's wrestling but this match made them both certified stars like especially Britt baker thunder rosa was already kind of made she was nwa women's champion she was legitimate but this match legitimized Britt baker and it you know really made them both stars it changed the game for what women on tv especially can do in america it was just so unique and so different and had so much emotion and this was the match we we touched on it where thunder rosa said i don't want to be women's wrestler of the year i want to be wrestler of the year and this match did that she won the feud won the match it did so much for her, even though it was an unsanctioned match and she didn't become, you know, world champion. I, I don't know that anybody needed her to become world champion. It did more for her to win this feud than I think the championship mm-hmm. would have at that time. Just True. because the eyes that were on it at one time, I don't know if it's still the case. This was the most watched TV match in AEW history. 
and and you can see why when you go back and watch it it is intense they they pull everything out that they've got but as much as we had we mentioned this with a few other matches this was the rare intersection where we had story in the ring versus story in the build like it was just everything fired on all cylinders and these two women were what made it work it was obviously match of the year luchador of the year honestly thunder rosa wrestler of the year like it just (laughs) it but it all ties to this match like this was really her pinnacle for the year and it's crazy how quickly she did that just Fantastic. Young Bucks versus Lucha Bros, as we mentioned, from AEW All Out. They got two highlights this year. Big deer for AEW with the Lucha. And just the fact that they're willing to highlight Luchadors and Luchadoras and highlight that Lucha style, whereas it feels like WWE tries to squelch it and hide it under a blanket. It's just so much going on. So exciting. What, what do you think, Brendan? What are, what are your opinions on some of these matches? Well, I mean, I agree. We all kind of got the sense coming out of that conversation that uh Baker Thunder Rosa was probably going to win. I am a little um well, I'm not angry, I'm just disappointed that the Young Bucks got second place on <laughs> like I just uh, it, it That's was a the fine dad match. reaction to yeah. it. I'm not yeah. angry, I'm just disappointed. I'm just disappointed. Yeah, like you know that I thought the I thought I made my case clear that the Hinetes del Aire much. Nah, that the, means just flippy yeah. shit will always win. Apparently, <laughs> there's lots of flippy shit. Dumb that flippy match. shit. That's yeah. kind of there was lots of flippy shit, shit in my other match out. that I flippy shit. <laughs> That's why the internet is always so angry. I get that now. I do get that now. <laughs> No, there was like, yeah, but that's, that's where I was at. I, uh, and, but I also like that we got the, got the tie and that the technical masterpiece of the Roxy Miranda Alize match was, uh, was, was considered enough to, to get into third place. I was looking at the matches that was up against and not thinking it had a chance in hell, really. Just so. I, I would say that also I'm a little proud of myself. Okay. So as you all know, I am not the technical match expert of this trio. Uh, I'm very much more storyline driven and I'm much more, um, you know, uh, I, I just like dumb things. Um, not to say what I'm about to say is dumb, but I nominated you know, the Breaker uh, Thunder Rosa match uh, is in this category. It was my only nomination. I really let, you know, I, I trust Brendan and, and Dusty's opinions uh, regarding matches. And, you know, I didn't know what I could contribute to this. But when I was going through and seeing things, this kind of popped out. And this was almost, and this was, let's, let's, you know, peel the curtain back, more of a last minute edition. We had some of these other matches listed prior to this one. So I think it does, uh, the recency bias does come into play when it comes to uh, things like this, where the more recent matches are the mm-hmm. ones that you tend to think about first. This one being all the way back in the spring was one where we had to do a double take. But also I do think that 
something that we note about um, with Thunder Rosa and different styles of Lucha Libre, which we see in the first and second, is the very different styles of Lucha Libre um, in this, where we do talk about the, the or see the brawler, more brutal, more violent type of Lucha Libre, which we, we especially for women, don't see very often, if ever. Um, but it does exist. And we did see that on American television. And I think Thunder Rosa was the perfect person to do that with um, yes. compared to the flippy shit of the Lucha Bros <laughs> and the Young Bucks. And that's just, you know, two sides of the coin. Not to say that those are the only sides of Lucha Libre. There's very much everything in between, as we even see in third place. You know, um, so I think we covered a, a spectrum of different styles of Lucha Libre. But I think what came out were kind of the the notables of this one with Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker. This, you know, really being the leading to the end of a contested feud, really helping establish both women in very different ways and it showcasing again a more violent style of wrestling that was done very well it was not violence for the sake of violence and thunder rosa is the woman to do this you know she is a huge element of texas wrestling uh and of and you know between that and her work all over the world but especially in mexico she was the right person to pull this match off as much as it did for brit baker brit i don't think would have known or would have had this pulled off as well if she didn't no. have the right partner in Thunder Rosa. It wouldn't have been yeah. half as good. Yes. It's if all anybody else, it wouldn't have been half as yes. good. Yes, yes, it would have been a lot messier, not in the blood and guts type of way, but just in the execution. On the other hand, you have the Lucha Bros and Young Bucks, you know, flippy. Everyone has their opinions about it. It's it's totally fair and justified. Again, <laughs> as we as we looked at the other end of the spectrum with Lucha Bros and Gientes de Aire, which was much more of a well-executed match. Again, I think storyline went out and the big gold belts, you know, like I think yes. the championship aspect of it really played out into the story. They were the ones to beat the young bucks out of this annoying rain. Mm-hmm. And um, and I love well, they were annoying heels like the, yes. the yeah. Lucha Bros were the faces in that. And the Technicos, you know, like it was just like. It felt so good to have the young bucks beaten, <laughs> and that and that's part of the flippy shit in the match was that the you know the bucks were healing it up, and yeah, yeah. and part of that is the flips and the 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 bucks style. Yeah, and it, it, it's again this is this is not the first time we've seen them in this match. This is not the first time they've told the story, but the way they told it this time, mm-hmm. I think, added some more to it. But also for the third place, again, it's almost kind of the the opposites of our first two, where you had two more technically sound matches um, in different you know types and for different um, competitions that I think both were really well noted um and I'm, I'm glad that they were recognized it was a very hard uh, category this year and it was because they were all over the spectrum i think it was those little nuances at least for us individually that stuck to us that made the difference in um second third place um and even first place because there was really a very narrow margin between first and second um, very narrow, so it could easily have been flipped. But I think the nuances and what was important to us in the lights out match won over than, uh, you know, the all out match, um, from the Lucha Bros and Young Bucks. Yeah, I agree. 
super exciting category. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, I, I, I expect that's going to be true every year that it, it's going to be hotly contested and, and passionately argued, you know, every year. But, yeah. uh, yeah, this, this year you could see it. I mean, it, we, I can, I'm looking at the results and I can see how the, the voting actually went down. And yeah, it was, the narrowest of margins all the way across. Mm-hmm. Like there wasn't even, there's not even that much difference between first and third place in the, yeah. in the voting. So yes. there you go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, match of the year. Again, third place was a tie between the Lucha Bros and Los Cientes de Aire from AAA Heros in Mortales in October. Uh, as well as Roxy versus Miranda Alize for the ROH. Women's World Championship at Death Before Dishonor. Second place, Young Bucks versus Lucha Bros for the AEW uh, World Tag Team Titles at All Out 2021. And your winners, first place, Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa, the Lights Out match from AEW St. Patrick's Day Slam on the March 17th edition of Dynamite. Our winners, our number one match of the year, as voted by us here on the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast team. Again, let us know your thoughts on all of our winners, our nominees uh, on social media. I'm going to do one more time. Ask the guys for your social media. So, Dusty, where can our listeners find you? I am on Instagram at Dusty Murphy, and I am on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Dusty Murphy. And Brendan, where can our listeners find you? I am 321 T-Shirt Guy. That's the numbers, 321, and T-Shirt Guy is all spelled out. I am on Facebook, I am on Instagram, and I'm all over the Twitters. And me, Miranda Morales, you can find me at the hashtag Miranda, hashtag spelled out on Instagram and Facebook. Also, don't forget to check out LuchaCentral.com, your centralized place for all things Lucha Libre. You can follow uh, Lucha Central on social media at LuchaCentral.com, I'm sorry, at LuchaCentral on Facebook. I believe in uh, Facebook and Instagram and at LuchaCentral.com on Twitter. Correct. Uh, yes. And uh, make sure to follow Lucha Central, of course, for all of your weekly news and results from the world of pro wrestling. Of course, make sure to follow Lucha Central for news regarding the upcoming Expo Lucha event happening in June. You know, we're going to be talking about it as we get through 2022. And thank you all once again for another year with us here on the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast. I'm going to let each of the guys give their own little thank yous and thoughts of the year. So, Dusty, feel free to let our listeners know your thoughts, appreciations, anything uh, regarding this year in the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast. Um, I, I really had a great time doing the podcast with you guys again this year. Enjoyed it last year. It's one of the highlights of my week every week to do the podcast. I love hearing from the fans when they have something to say about the show or 
when I post some of my masks on Instagram, on the stories I hear from fans once in a while. I, I hope we get more of that fan engagement in 2022. You guys are really the reason why we do this. We don't do it for ourselves so much. And so I would love to have more of that. Uh, you know, tag us and things. The cookie sheet matches. Matches you think are match of the year. Uh, you know, people you think are luchador of the year. Let us know. You know, maybe we'll try to find some way to incorporate that with the fans next year. So keep us posted. And Brendan, thoughts on 2021? Anything about the show? Anything you'd like to share with our listeners? Well, I'm going to echo Dusty and thank uh, the fans for being fantastic. And, and uh, hopefully we continue to have more interaction. I hope to see a whole lot of people that listen to the show at Expo Lucha. Uh, and other events, but for sure we're all going to be at Expo Lucha, so that's the one I'm going to push. Uh, I also want to thank both of you guys for making this a fun thing to do every week. Um, yeah. Even, you know, it's uh, even the weeks like this where we're doing two or three, it's still a highlight of the week every time. Uh, and then, uh, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna take the time here. I'm gonna thank all of the zebras, the referees out there for doing this job because, I mean, even though you're the ones that get made fun of when you get super kicked and are knocked out for five years and you, uh, obviously blind as a bat and missing all of the, the, the international objects that come into the ring, you're always there to be part of the show to make everybody look better, make everybody feel better and keep everybody safe. So thank you to you guys too. Uh, I would also like to thank all of the listeners, everyone who's listened, whether this is your first episode or been with us uh, over this year. We cannot thank you enough for taking the time to listen to our show, uh, for the feedback that you've provided to us, uh, for just being a part of our week to week. Um, Brendan and Dusty are great co-hosts and a, a great team. I feel really fortunate to be able to have learned continuously from both of you guys and be on a team uh, like this. I am so appreciative and, and grateful for you guys as co-hosts because I would literally be lost without <laughs> you. Um, also, a big thank you to LuchaCentral.com, our uh, home, uh, the place that we've been able to have this podcast on uh, the place that we've been able to represent this year. It is truly a, uh, an honor to be part of that uh, podcast network and also the website. Uh, and also to the boss people, uh, Kevin Kleinrock uh, and Ruben Zamora from Mass Republic, uh, who help in our kind of co-partners with LuchaCentral.com and uh you know, people who we shout out all the time, but w this would not be possible without both of you. We are excited for everything that's to come for Lucha Central and Mass Republic in 2022. And we just are so appreciative to have the opportunity to uh, help represent those brands um, and, and doing that through the podcast and also through uh, various types of events and coverage of so many things. Uh, and also our partners at thechairshot.com. A special shout out to our producer, Greg DeMarco, uh, who constantly is, you know, someone who is doing a lot of behind the scenes work and also this year distributed our show through thechairshot.com to get us to a new audience. 
Uh, thank you, Greg, for the work that you do putting us up every week. Thank you for adding us to the Chairshot Radio Network and giving us a second home um, and constantly reminding me to send you files. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> So that's just a, a way to uh, thank all of the people who make this show possible on a weekly basis. Uh, we are going to be back in 2022. We're going to keep on rolling with this. Uh, more interviews to come. Please make sure to check out our interviews from this year. Uh, we've definitely had a lot of great interviews uh, in that have been, um, you know, uh, wonderful to conduct. And we hope that you guys all listen to uh, special content out there that well, really you can't find anywhere else. Make sure to listen to the Lucha Central podcast network on luchacentral.com. And of course, all your favorite podcast streaming platforms, Spotify, uh, Podbay, Speaker, iTunes, and much, much more. Just find luchacentral.com or Lucha Central podcast network wherever you are. And with that, we've ended our end of year awards. We've ended 2022 or 2021. Uh, I just jumped to the future there. Don't, don't end 2022 yet. I need to see yeah. it. Uh, <laughs> looking forward to 2022 with uh, this, these two guys here, as well as all of you. So for Brendan Barr and Dusty Murphy, I'm Miranda Morales. Thank you all so much. And we'll be with you next week. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.